0: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
1: TNA is the best wrestling in the whole world. Oh, shit! It's Vince Russo! Oh,
0: yeah, you can be king, king, king of these mess. You <laughs> know. I am the heartbreak kid. Shawn Michaels cousin that's about some unadulterated bullshit this is BS this sucks I've lost my objectivity and I don't give a damn
2: welcome everybody to you've got to be kidding me a show where we cover TNA history one month at a time this week we're talking about October 2003 in TNA I'm Gary Kidney I'm joined as always by my co-host Liam Jones Liam Howdy.
1: Howdy. Howdy ho. Howdy ho, neighborino. How are you doing over there in Australia today? I mean, whatever, you know how it is. I had a club day at school where we got to introduce people to clubs. What club were you introducing people to? Uh, student theatre and film, of course. Were you buzz marketing the podcast? No. <sighs> What's even the point? Re-
2: respect. <laughs> I expect you to go... To person to person in your university just being like, hey, so we're, we have this club, but also, have you listened to You've Got to Be Kidding Me, a Tea and a History podcast?
1: Maybe I'll start Pro Wrestling Club.
2: Do you think there'd be, like, enough people in the university for a Pro Wrestling Club? Probably. You only need three to have a club. And then you can just lure them... Oh, God, only three people. is literally nothing. You can lure them all in and then be like, alright, so today's Pro Wrestling activity that we're doing together is listening to this episode of You've Got to Be Kidding Me. And we're also... There's a Patreon sign up sheet at the door.
1: I could definitely run a pro wrestling club. And we could use the club funds to go to shows.
2: And we could use the club funds to fund the podcast.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think I can siphon the, 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 the club funds out to my own endeavours. You see, at the very least, I think it would be extremely important for the club to have
2: a Patreon subscription to the You've Got to Be Getting the <laughs> Patreon, just so everybody can have access to watch-alongs, and access to Ring Cat King series, and access to Monday Night Wars series.
1: And where could they go to get that subscription service? <laughs>
2: and access to show notes, perhaps? They could go to tnachat.com, Liam, and then that's that's where these people could really get value for money in this pro wrestling. you know they should also do garrett
1: they should follow us as well where should they follow us we're gonna start doing this at the start now like smart podcasters. it only took us uh two years
2: (laughs) they can go to twitter.com slash tna history pod you know go and type that full url into your browser that's the way to do it. <laughs> don't go searching on apps for a particular podcast. I want you to go to your browser and to- type twitter.com dot slash tna history pod. I think it's backslash or forward slash. I actually don't know the difference between backslash and forward slash.
1: It's a uh, forward slash.
2: There you go. What's the? Why is it forward? It- is it? Is it move- I guess it's moving backwards, but it's moving upwards as well, which is kind of forwards.
1: But you know, it is moving backwards.
2: What Liam? What's moving backwards? I was gonna say Noah. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to say October 2003 and NWA TNA, but sure. I know,
1: I was going to say that, but then I was like, I don't want to go into TNA talk yet. Well, you
2: can get very upset about the Noah, the four people who like Noah uh, jumping on your quote tweets for saying Noah's bad. No, that's you, not me. I do love, literally, no matter what era of deep, weird puro, you will get the same, like, six nerds who are like, no, this is good, actually.
1: I don't know. To be fair, I will give... Some credits are Noah here. hmm Like, Fuhida, Fujita, Fujita. Fujita, Fujita, Whatever. <laughs> I'm having a mild stroke. <laughs> That's what the result of the match has done. Like, he's been pretty good in Noah. He just beats people up and drops them on the head with power bombs. I just- I don't know. Probably wouldn't have put him over Nakajima. <laughs> mm, mm. Like, it's cool when he does that to, like, the nerds, but when he does that to, like, the top guy, it's, it's like, oh. Didn't Nakajima just win the belt? You want to- towards the end of last year i think why i think it was his third defense or fourth defense yeah it doesn't make i don't know it doesn't make a ton of sense nakajima go to (laughs) gleat all the good wrestlers should go to Gleet, kaito should go to gleat nakajima should go
2: to gleat ashino should go to gleat
1: former wrestle one champion katsuhiko nakajima
2: could you imagine an ashino Lindemann world title program Oh, in my dreams. Can you imagine how good that would be? Instead, he's just in All Japan doing stuff. I don't know. I don't watch All Japan. I think he's competing for the Triple Crown. <laughs> Which is more prestigious,
1: Liam? The Triple Crown or the G-Rex Championship? Listen, all I can say is that 100% of G-Rex title matches have been bangers. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can say that about the Triple Crown. It's true. That's a factual statement. Mm. Do you want to talk about, do you want to review Gleet instead of doing NWAT and A? Well, I haven't watched Glee, so I can't. But fake oh, fan.
2: I'm still two Gleets behind, so I think I'll do a catch up today after I edit this podcast.
1: I watched it live. I was fist pumping in the air. I was pacing. And I feel like Glee is the spiritual promotion
2: of TNA, the spiritual Japanese promotion, <laughs> because it is it is the spiritual successor in some ways. I think to Wrestle One, it's filling the Wrestle One space in the, in the rest the, re- the Japanese wrestling
1: market. So Wrestle One partners with TNA. So we have to support Gleet. Sure. I think, honestly, Gleet has a lot of a lot more potential than Rissle One ever had, unfortunately. It has former TNA star Kazuma Sakamoto. It has former
2: TNA star Minoru Tanaka. It has former TNA star Quiet Storm. Ah, yes, of course, of course. Is that it? I think so. There's probably someone else there that was in TNA at one stage or another.
1: Kikitaro ever work a TNA shot? Former TNA star Kikitaro. There we go.
2: So there's there's a lot of TNA connections here in Glee, so it makes perfect sense to spend five minutes of a podcast about TNA history opening about Gleet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wonder how many people listening to this know of
2: Glee. Listen, I think we've brought up Glee, and you've spent entire watch-alongs watching Glee enough that I think we brute forced a certain audience into knowing what Glee is. Glee cast coming to the
1: Patreon soon. All right, anything else before we talk about NWA TNA for the month? I'm I'm I think we're just going to go all in. All right, this month sucked. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, we're just going to going to barge straight in like that,
2: huh? We're just going to rip the band-aid off the month that is October 2003 because I think it's interesting to talk about as a whole that like this month was boring as shit.
1: Yeah, not the most explosive month.
2: It's not even just like, oh, this angle is terrible. It's not even that, like, this story sucks. It's not even like, oh, they're pushing the wrong people. It's none of that. It's just like, this company in the month of October feels lifeless. It's incredibly dull. There's just no energy. The crowds are absolutely dead. It feels like all the programs have overstayed their welcome because it, most of them are just holdovers from the month prior. It feels like nothing new is or interesting is happening. The entire month is built around Hulk Hogan and nothing comes of it, which we'll talk about extensively. So it just feels like a lost month in TNA history with a bunch of matches that, like, some of which are good... Especially like as the month goes on, there are more good matches. I think the first two shows of the month, in particular, are just absolutely lifeless mock that are will put you to sleep. But then it's just it's just a month that exists and has literally nothing that I think anybody will remember about. Like what what are you gonna? Maybe the AJ Dusty match. Maybe that's the thing people are like. Oh, you know, AJ Dusty was a cool match just on paper, even though the match itself wasn't great. But other than that, th- there's literally nothing from this month that I think I will ever think about again once we hit end record on this podcast.
1: The most notable thing of this month was something that didn't happen. Yeah. And um, honestly, the, pr- the most memorable thing of this month is probably the thing that happened in the last 30 seconds of the last show of the month. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... I, I, I hesitate to call it, for some reason, I, I hesitate to call it even bad. I just don't think anything happened. It was just dull. It was a very boring show. I don't even think there was anything that I was like, oh, this is, this is bad. I don't think there was any, like, angles that I was like, oh, gosh, not, this This sucks. Well, I think it was just nothing to latch onto, nothing to care about. Yeah, just a real boring month. I remember that first show. I watched an hour of it, and it took me three hours to watch that hour, because <laughs> I just had to pause it and do something else, because I was like, this is so dull. I, like, for those first two episodes, I think I, I drank, like, two beers an episode, because <laughs> I was just like, come on, I got, this is so boring. <laughs> you need something to get it through, make it a little more palatable. Yeah, I had to get in the spirit of the Nashville, uh, of the Asylum <laughs> Watchers. I had to in- drink some beers to get through the show. Mm. The last two shows, though, I didn't I didn't mind as much. It was just those first two were so bad. And that third one wasn't great either, to be honest. But if the last two shows were the bad shows of a month, you'd probably had a pretty good month. But they were the best shows of the month.
2: Yeah, and this is a five-show month, which maybe didn't help. Because there was five shows so of nothing much. happening.
1: I hate it so much. Well, you have a to know that November
2: is a four-show month. And December would have been a five-show month. But the last two episodes are best of, so it's only a three-show month.
1: Merry Christmas.
2: That's your Christmas present that you only have three shows for December to cover, unless you want to watch the best ofs. And No.
1: I mean, to be honest, how long can those best ofs be? How many three-star Jerry Lynn matches can you put on there? Well, not that many this month. There's only one of them. Yeah, is Jerry gone?
2: Well, it's the Don Callis stuff, which is, you say there's nothing on this show that you don't like. I'm tired of the Don Callis and Red Shirt stuff. I would like them to go away. But they're not
1: going to, so I will just have to stomach that. I don't mind the Don Carlos stuff. I was kind of sick of the red shirt matches by the end of it, but I didn't mind the the actual Don Carlos angles. He had a cool bow tie now. He does. He's looking very dapper. (laughs) He cut the hair, though,
2: which I don't appreciate. Mmm. Big change for Don this month. (laughs)
1: Big change. He, he looks like a child now.
2: He does. He has this like childlike glee expression, particularly when we'll talk about the the world title change this month. By the way, this month had a world title change.
1: He also, yeah. Well, I think he he literally has rosy cheeks. Mm. Like that. He's like he's straight up like. What's that creepy puppet? That one? The one from Goosebumps. Sure. Any I think any puppet could have filled the the void that I was I was putting out there. To be honest, except for puppet the psycho dwarf Chucky. Yeah, sure. He looks like Chucky. Kermit the Frog. It's a Muppet. It's different. Muppets are also puppets, but not all
2: puppets are Muppets. You're a Muppet.
1: <laughs> am I a man, or am I a Muppet? No, we'll get uh, DMCA'd. If oh, a DMCA'd. Oh, I guess I guess we, I guess we should talk Muppet. about Arthur.
2: <laughs> oh, Arthur did come to an end. Yeah, it's very important. It is the theme song to our old podcast and the theme song to the, the Monday War Game series, which you can listen to at patreon.com. The Two of our
1: old podcasts were... <laughs> Arthur inspired
2: yeah so Arthur Arthur has come to an end Arthur is like a millennial washout based on his appearance
1: so yeah he's a graphic uh, novel artist
2: he's clearly the guy who's like no mom I'm a graphic novel artist it's like Arthur you've got to get yourself a job you've sold none of those graphic <laughs> novels
1: Arthur, get get a real job like your sister. <laughs> <laughs> Who's a traffic cop. Of course she is. So that was definitely like, they wanted to make her a cop, but they didn't feel like they could get away with making her like a cop cop. So they made her a traffic cop, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like this was their cop out of like, oh, we want to <laughs> yeah, make her a cop. Out. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we want to make her a cop, but it's 2022 and that won't go down well. Yeah. So we'll make her a traffic cop. Are you actually a fan of Arthur? Uh, yeah, obviously. Because I
2: don't think I would have watched a ton of Arthur growing up. I would have watched little bits and pieces of Arthur, but not a ton. I watched a, a fair bit of Arthur growing up. Yeah, Arthur has come to an end. Rip Arthur, after
1: 25
2: years. Mm-hmm. Actually, longer than 25 years. It was 25 it was seasons. You the
1: second piece of Arthur news we've broken on the show. Well, I don't think we've broken it. It happened like two <laughs> days ago, but sure. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? It's the second piece of Arthur news that we talked about as it happened. What's the other one? When they made the teacher gay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shout out to Arthur. We talked about the the outrage. Yeah, go fuck yourselves, people. <laughs> from the Arthur community. <laughs> I don't think it was from the Arthur community, frankly. It's from people who have never seen it a day, <laughs> it's just a single episode of Arthur in their life. It's like the Noah fans mad at me. <laughs> Except you're the one who's never seen a a, a day of Noah in his life. Yeah. <laughs> hey,
2: I watched some of the, the January 1st show. You leave me alone. You watched it because I made you. You bullied me into watching a Noah. <laughs> I did.
1: See I I tried
2: guys. See Liam brought it back to Puro. He can't help himself. It's like he wanted to talk about Arthur and then had to misdirect back to, to to Puro.
1: Yeah. Just let me talk about Puro, for the love of god, someone. But
2: to go back to TNA, like we had July was a a pretty flat month, but it was flat for like an understandable reason where they like they did that pivot from the kind of wrestling they were doing to a more babyface heel standard traditional poor wrestling in July, so you're like, all right, we'll give you the month to kind of work that out. And then we had like two, I think, pretty darn good months in September and August, and now we're we're just here, and it, I I don't know what happened. They just ran out of steam. They ran out of life. There is just nothing going on, and we we do have new Booker slash agent Dutch Mantel, so obviously it's all Dutch's fault.
1: <laughs> I think it probably just came from. We had a very distinct plan, and we had to get to this plan very quickly, and then the plan fell through, so it's like, we were in a rush mode to get to this, and then we didn't even get the payoff to this, so it's just a very weird, kind of, tumultuous, middle ground month. Mm, we might as well also pull the band-aid
2: off on that, because I think there's going to be a substantial portion of this podcast devoted to it, unfortunately. Hulk Hogan, as we mentioned last uh, dun, episode.
1: Dun, dun, dun. No, you, you should be doing
2: the, 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 the red, white a red, white, and blue. White <laughs> but Hulk Hogan and NWATNA have agreed to terms, and the final paperwork is being worked through this week. This was in the first week of the month. The deal isn't done. Very, very they important They said it was sentence. done
1: on the show. Very
2: extremely important sentence, Liam. The deal isn't done, but it's expected to be done. Everything's great and looks like it'll definitely happen, says one insider close to negotiations. The agreement would call for Hogan to be a big part of the TNA product, beginning with a special November 30th a Sunday night three-hour pay-per-view priced at $29.95. The proposed match is Hogan versus Jarrett, perhaps for the NWA title. Jarrett has a scheduled title match against AJ Styles on the October 22nd pay-per-view. Hogan is headed to Japan this week for a match on October 13th against Masahiro. He'll be in Japan for four days and then return to the U.S. Hogan is looking to redeem his status after leaving WWE under less than glorious circumstances, of when the Mr. America gimmick was halted in mid-course after creative and financial differences with him and Vince McMahon. So Hogan is looking for his new place to live after the, the WWE dumped him out, or perhaps he's actually just looking to go back to WWE and he's using all of this for leverage. But uh, no, we won't remember ever mentioning that at all. No, no. But TNA are now firmly, in the month of October 2003, Liam, in the Hulk Hogan business.
1: I mean, at least they think they are. Uh, I mean, should we talk about... Okay, let's talk about the mindset of TNA going into this, right? Mm -hmm. If you're in their position, and you think you can get the deal done, you gotta do it, right? I guess... Like, Unlike, I think,
2: 2010, when Hogan does actually come in... I don't think there's anything to lose here for 2003 NWATNA. It's not like they have a firm, established identity. It's not like they have, like, anything really going for them at this stage. They are literally desperate for attention. So unlike, they kind of threw out the identity of the company to bring Hogan in and, like, give him all the power in the world in 2010. Like, there's nothing to throw out here. We, We talked about how they had a couple good months coming off of that reboot in July. But realistically, like... Who cares if you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater to get a Hogan and Jarrett match, which is kind of what they do, but yeah, you do
1: kind of have to do it, don't you? you got to give it a shot. So yeah, you can't really blame them for giving it a shot. You can you can probably blame them for starting to book it before they had it in writing, mm-hmm. but again, like, that probably happens all the time, right?
2: Yeah, and we, we even talked about it, how, like, remember when Sting first came in? Like, literally during the show is when they got Sting to sign the deal, and they literally announced him there and then, like, at the end of the show, and they only made that deal during the pay-per-view. So it's not the first time TNA has been, like, down to the wire or willing to announce things that have just happened or may tenuously happen. So...
1: But at least this thing thing was in writing. <laughs> and Sting did actually show up. I can't, I can't blame them for going for it. Hogan winning the NWA title probably would have been some uh, some big news for them too, and cool from like a and <laughs> cool from a historical point of view. The deal on the table right now would include Hogan being part of more than just the
2: Sunday, November thirtieth pay per view. Which, by the way, they do announce they announce on the paper on the weekly pay per views that Bound for Glory will be November thirtieth, their first ever Sunday three hour pay per view. They promote it for two weeks before they cancel it. However, Hogan is conscious of Image and doesn't want his first match back to be at the Nashville Fairgrounds where TNA tapes every week. We'll talk about that a little as well because there's a lot of back and forth about where this show would actually take place in terms of where they'd actually run the show. That could create the image he's on the downswing of his career, said one involved insider. The arena is small and the fans may be less apt to cheer him since fans that attend each week at the same arena are typically more hardcore and rebellious. There is 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 some back and forth on people who like or hate Hogan because obviously there's a lot of Hogan-related segments this month. So there are Hogan chants and there are like we want Hogan chants at one stage and there are also a counter chant of no we don't.
1: There's definitely some anti-Hogan sentiment in the Asylum. Which is not the first time
2: there's anti-Hogan sentiment in the building where Hulk Hogan's making his TNA appearances.
1: Well, to be fair, um, a lot of the other times it was like pretty pro-Hogan, and then uh, he turned it around on himself. So, <laughs> well, uh,
2: even before Hogan debuted, we'll get to this at the end of 2009. But during like the the last two pay-per-views of 2009, there are chance of who needs Hogan. <laughs> Like, the, the, the crowd don't really want Hogan. And, like, Hogan f- packed the Impact Zone with his, like, sycophants and, and diehard fans for his debut in the first couple of weeks, which is the reason he got big reactions. Because they're all, like, the of the Love Sponge squad coming out for Hulk Hogan the, in those first few weeks of, of
1: TNA. A little off topic here, but I just showed my uh, housemate the, f- the the footage of Mick Foley knocking out Bubba the Love Sponge. Ah, very good. And, uh, t- popped huge. Truly a tremendous. Piece of footage that everyone should go check out. It is a
2: very important moment in TNA history of Mick Foley's shoot-punching, Bubba the Love Sponge in the face while he forearms him.
1: But I mean, yeah, I was gonna say, he actually elbows him in the face.
2: Yeah, he gave him a black eye. He actually elbowed him in the face. He 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 sunk that bad boy in. Broke his nose, apparently.
1: Good, he deserves it for being an absolute turd. Uh, but yeah, just a, just a little sidebar there. The Bubba the Love Sponge, who got uh, mentioned in this month of shows, too. Because where Hogan goes, so does
2: Bubba during this year, anyway.
1: During the next decade.
2: The motivation for TNA Beyond, their cut of the potential revenue created if a Hogan vs. Jarrett match drew a big buy rate on pay-per-view, would be to put their brand name on the map nationally. Having Hogan's name attached to the TNA logo would give the promotion a legitimate credibility with people who don't follow wrestling closely but are instrumental in TNA getting outside deals. A mythical casual fan. And to be fair, if you're a 2003 TNA and anybody is going to attract a casual fan, it is a Hulk Hogan.
1: But to be fair, I don't think you're going to get the casual fan as much as people who just knew wrestling. (laughs) Well, but but like,
2: again, I don't want to do my casual fan rant. The whole casual fan doesn't exist. and The the people that people are, are actually talking about when talking about casual fans are usually lapsed fans.
1: Is the casual wrestling fan. People who know about wrestling, but
2: don't keep up with it in the modern era. It's not a dude who usually watches basketball. Suddenly we're going to become a huge wrestling fan. At best, he'll watch the clip. But yeah, the the, the idea is that they want to break beyond their eight to 16,000 pay-per-view buy bubble into a broader audience. And I think that the, the bigger consideration here is that Hogan will lend them legitimacy and credibility in pursuing a TV deal.
1: I gotta say with sponsors and TV more than anything.
2: So they can go to, to TV partners and be like, "Look, we have Hulk Hogan for however long we have Hulk Hogan," and that might actually sway people in terms of like give them a shot on TV, which is a thing they obviously can't do and want to do because they've, like even at this stage, like months ago, they've given up more or less on the the weekly pay per view model being the future of this company. They know it's not going to sustain the company, but it's a matter of just producing enough content and hanging on long enough to get a TV deal. And the hope is that Hogan would be the guy that would help them get the TV deal.
1: I think that's completely fair.
2: So Jimmy Hart has a close personal relationship with Jerry Jarrett for, for decades. Uh, I think Jimmy Hart, Jer- Jerry Jarrett was the person actually the, who gave Jimmy Hart his original break back in, I think, the late 70s. So it's it's actually fun that there's there's multiple people who are like, oh, we're, we're going to work TNA. Sting thing was another one because it's like, oh, well, Jerry gave me my break, so I might as well try and help him out here.
1: Good thing that we're going to get that guy out of the company as soon as possible. The guy that everyone likes and wants to repay their debt to. Yeah, the guy
2: who has deep relationships with so many stars because he gave them their original break, and now they're big stars and can potentially pay it forward. But now we, we want to back Vince Russo so he can get disco. Vince Russo brings disco, <laughs> Liam. Does that, but who would you want? Hogan and Sting, or the disco Inferno? Well, you've swayed me. <laughs> I've convinced you, have I?
1: Yeah, the disco, obviously.
2: So the whole idea of doing Jarrett and Hogan is obviously aside from Jarrett being TNA's like a one star is to play off of the Bash at the Beach 2000 finish where, where there was that we mentioned last on the last episode that famous uh, worked shoot where they did a, a Jarrett laying down for Hogan and then Russo ruined it by cutting a shoot promo on on Hogan again we'll talk about Russo extensively on this episode as well but. It's interesting that they're they're building it off of that match, that Bash at the Beach 2000 match, which I don't think anybody cared about at the time. The company involved went out of business, and they're like, "Listen, we got to call back to this Bash at the Beach match where we did this work shoot angle and never got to pay it off, so we'll pay it off in TNA."
1: I had no clue what the fuck they were talking about. <laughs> I I wonder the same because like this is over, like not over. Yeah, it is
2: over. Three years. It's over three years since that Bash at the Beach match, so. Like, they're basing this entire thing, and they, they can't say Bash at the Beach, so they have to say in Florida. So w- when you're watching this show, and Jimmy Hart and Mike Tanay are like, oh, do you mean what happened down in Florida? And, and Jeff Hart freaks out, which happens twice this month. Like, the average viewer, I think it's going to be the same as you. They're going to be like, what the fuck are these
1: people talking about? I had no um no clue what they're talking about. I thought it was like some backstage thing. <laughs> mm. I was like, is this like some... Because that's like with the, the gravitas they gave it. I thought it was like some sort of backstage, like commonly known alter, uh, interaction or something, altercation. Because, yeah,
2: it's, it's that classic pro wrestling problem where they assume, especially in this era, where they assume that the internet fans know everything so they actually booked the television show around them. Yeah. Which is amazing to think about. that, like The internet fans are constantly derided by these people. But then, especially during this Vince Russo era of late WCW, early TNA, they book their entire show around what the internet... What, what, not even what the internet knows, what they think the internet knows. And their actual casual audience, which is the thing everyone always goes on about, the casual fan, probably has no goddamn idea what these human beings are talking about.
1: This is a move hoping to attract casual fans. And it's like, that's reference some niche shit that half of them won't remember and even if they would have remembered it, we can't give them the details to trigger that memory. And even if they did remember it, they probably didn't like it in the first place. And if they remembered it, they probably don't
2: care that much either. I don't think everyone was gagging it to be like, oh, we never got the payoff of that Jarrett and Hogan angle from WCW.
1: Yeah. I don't know, that's a, that's a weird one.
2: It is kind of classic TNA, like, they can't just tell their own Hulk Hogan story, they have to be like, oh we have to go back to the WCW one because that's that's unresolved territory, everyone wants the resolution to that story between Jarrett and Hogan, and what went down at Bash at the Beach, so we have to finish out that story instead of just having him come in to beat up our heel champion.
1: Yeah, it's a weird one.
2: The Jarrett and Hogan have talked extensively on the phone and had face-to-face meetings over the past month, both sides are said to be excited about the possibilities of a relationship. me too so there is a whole like cavalcade of things that happened this month in this like we have four pages of notes in the show notes at tnhad.com talking about just this hulk hogan story not even like talking about the stuff that happened on the tv show about this hulk hogan story just the stuff that built to this hulk hogan story
1: (laughs) yeah but to be fair as far as actual hogan on tv stuff there isn't much to talk about (laughs)
2: But like they they do bring in Jimmy Hart and they do continue to build the last two episodes around Jarrett and Jimmy a bit of Jimmy Hart, even though they know at that stage
1: that the Hogan thing at least is not happening for now. To be fair, I think the the last show they tried to turn it into more of a Jimmy Hart versus Jeff Jarrett thing mm. than a Hulk Hogan versus Jeff Jarrett thing.
2: Listen, who's a bigger star, Jimmy or Hulk? I mean, Jimmy has an album. It's true, he does. And he has made many good theme songs.
1: How many theme songs has Hulk Hogan made?
2: So there is a, a bunch of talk about where this show is actually going to take place. The frontrunner is Las Vegas, according to one source that the TNA officials have been talking to. Representatives of the Aladdin Hotel. There's also the Orleans in Vegas. There's the Municipal Auditorium comes up, which is where TNA held some of their early shows, where AEW held Dynamite last week. Uh, the Mid-South Coliseum. Yeah. So all these venues are, are are bandied about, with the big thing, I think, the, the big key being Hulk Hogan does not want to wrestle in the Asylum, in a building with 1,300 people.
1: Do you think Hulk Hogan would have eventually wrestled in the Asylum had he signed? Well, if he was there long term, he would have had to, right? Are they get, do they go for a bigger building every time they build a Hogan match? I guess it depends how often Hogan would be wrestling. Mm. And is he just going to be on the show every week not wrestling? Because we'll talk about like what his commitments to TNA for this
2: match would have been in a sec, where he would have only done one live appearance in the Asylum, he would have done a phone call as well, and then they would have built to aid them doing that match in another bigger building... probably i'd imagine if it went through it probably would have been like the municipal auditorium somewhere in nashville because i I actually think i think some of that is what spooked Hogan, that like venue stuff and like at one stage it's like the front runner was the asylum and I, i i don't think in a million years he's walking out to wrestle in front of that 1300 people building
1: do you think they could have got that original building that they ran for the first show
2: oh gone down to huntsville yeah I see what would have been somewhere in the south, because the, the the big problem with Vegas is they didn't have a promoter's license in Vegas, and obviously all of this came together very fast, and they announced the pay-per-view very fast, and they wanted to get to Jarrett and Hogan within two months, basically, of signing Hogan, but they couldn't promote in Vegas because they didn't have a promoter's license, and that that's the main
1: reason they started looking elsewhere. <laughs> I'm just imagining Hogan in the asylum, in this terrible, terrible building. <laughs> it's probably not the first time he's worked the building maybe it is it's probably the first time he's worked building.
2: you got the red white maybe it'll be like, because famously WCW there's the story about how like center stage was this old rundown building until Hogan signed with WCW and they actually like started painting the building and putting up curtains and making it look decent when Hogan signed, so maybe it would have been like <laughs> that or it's like the
1: asylum is this no, old they already did building. that <laughs> they already did the big renovations it's still an
2: old rundown building
1: yeah, but like, I don't think they were going to get much more out of it, to be honest.
2: <laughs> they could have put up some
1: curtains. Oh wow!
2: Add an extra lighting rig or two. If they do all that, then,
1: then they won't be able to throw people off of it anymore. That's true. Slash would have like half his moveset removed. And who are you going to pick, Slash or Hogan? I'd pick Slash every time. Mm. What if Hogan had to join the new church? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, you know, actually, I'm more excited for the prospect of the franchise and Hulk Hogan building up a big feud together. I do like the idea that, like, James Mitchell, this whole month, Bill's the Raven getting his
2: hands on James Mitchell. Raven's about to get his hands on James Mitchell, while Hulk Hogan shows up to stop him.
1: Yeah, the red, rat, and blue.
2: I don't think that theme would quite work as
1: well as the New Church, but, well, sure. What if it's James Mitchell singing that theme? Oh, God, that would rule, because James Mitchell does do karaoke, that's his thing. He also sang the New Church theme. Does he? Yeah. Does he? Yeah, he sings the New Church theme. He sure about that? That is true! That doesn't sound like James Mitchell. Dig <laughs> you under. Mm. Yeah, that's him.
2: I'm not sure about that. That is him! I did quite like there was a, a jazzier version of the New Church theme for, for Vampiro this month. It was very good. The bunch upbeat. It's very weird.
1: Sorry, just, Angel Salazar says in the comments of this uh, New Church video... Uh, I'm imagined to Finn Balor and Seth Rollins join to the new church. If Father James Mitchell go to Debbie every day, I'm imagined to entrance this song.
2: But the, the, the sinister minister jumps and starts a new, new new church with Finn Balor and Seth Rollins.
1: <laughs> Sorry, there's a lot of things that just happened here. Where Jake Dandy three years ago tweeted R.I.P. Jim Mitchell, <laughs> and then someone said he's still alive. <laughs> to which Jake Dandy responded, "Nope, that was Taz." <laughs> Oh, well, James Mitchell did get killed
2: off on Impact at one stage. Maybe he was talking about Ah, that. Ah, to
1: which he responded, that's impossible. Abyss shot him.
2: (laughs) No, he survived the shot. He did get killed by Havoc on Impact, but then Rosemary resurrected him so that he could officiate the wedding in which Johnny Bravo got shot, but Johnny Bravo didn't die.
1: That is definitely Jim Mitchell singing that song, by the way.
2: I don't believe you. let's, Let's throw it out to our fans of You've Got to Be Kidding Me. Let us know on Twitter whether you think that's actually James Mitchell singing the New Church theme. I don't think it is. 100%
1: hundred percent.
2: So the latest word on the pay-per-view site is the Nashville Auditorium. Although TNA officials are still hoping to run an event in Las Vegas, there is unlikely to be enough time to obtain a promoter's license and promote the arena properly. Hogan's site is banking on the idea that TNA will do a major advertising campaign, and on their side they will attempt to call in some favors and use celebrity friends of Hogan's to appear live with George Foreman's name being bandied about. George Foreman actually gets a name dropped on the show this month where Jimmy Hart is mentioning Hogan's agent and mentions other clients of Hogan's agent, including... Including George Foreman, an attempt to get placed on mainstream talk shows the week of the event, where Hulk Hogan will no doubt do appearances and not mention TNA at all, which is the uh, the perfect Hulk Hogan standard in twenty ten, which I assume he would have established here in two thousand
1: three. Sorry, I was just trying to find out the Jim Mitchell. We're gate. moving
2: on from the James Mitchell, the James Mitchell theme song, Jim Mitchell Gate. I had to find out. We have thrown it to our audience; they could be the arbitrators of whether or not that is James no, Mitchell. Not the audience. We have moved on, Hulk Hogan. Uh-
1: Oh, but we're still
2: talking about Hulk Hogan. There is still, like, four pages of Hulk Hogan notes, so you, you calm down. Alright, alright, alright. We have plenty to get through uh, in this Hulk Hogan section of the show without you derailing us more with James Mitchell theme songs. Your imaginary James Mitchell theme songs. <laughs> okay. This is like people who think Big Show does the well at the start of his theme song. Except mine's true. TNA has zero national mainstream ink, and the belief is that Jar- the Jarrett's Hogan is the one wrestler who can get them some interest from the millions of currently disgruntled fans, most of whom don't know TNA exists. So it's once again, Liam, the play for the lapsed WCW fan.
1: I mean, like, I guess at this point it's still worth going
2: for it. So as mentioned, Hogan has basically set up to do a phone call on the October 22nd show for which he would appear live for the first time on the October 29th show and then they would build to the November 30th pay-per-view. So they would have one live appearance in the, in the asylum where they would shoot their angle and then they would get ready basically to do everything for the, uh, the 30th. Bound for glory, Liam. Huh, I'm familiar. Which is fun that they kept that name for their biggest show, even though it didn't
1: happen here in 2003. Listen, you gotta admire TNA's commitment. They like the name! Yeah, like, if they ever think of something, they stick to it. And they will go for it. Like, we saw it with Genesis already.
2: They will dig out all of these names and ideas, no matter how long has
1: passed. (coughs) And (laughs) I imagine if there was, like, some sort of, um, folio with just all these old ideas in it. Hmm. They had Robbie E's name circled in it and they just blew off the dust one day and were like, this is it. Bro! The word in the locker room is that Hogan has
2: refused to appear on the same show as Vince Russo and doesn't even want Vince Russo in the same arena as him. Okay,
1: maybe Hogan's... Maybe Hogan's good.
2: (laughs) There's also been talk that the legal issues between the two men will also prevent Russo from appearing. However, there is at least suspicion in the TNA locker room That this is all a work set up by TNA officials to make it seem like a bigger deal when Russo and Hogan take part in the same storyline.
1: I mean, can you blame any
2: of them for thinking this? Because Vince Russo is written out of TV this month. There's an angle that takes him off TV, which everyone again assumes is because of this story that Hogan doesn't want Russo there. It has to be true, right? And then there are even like rumblings around that like Russo's not even writing the show anymore, which Dave Meltzer debunks. We'll talk about that in a minute.
1: I was going to say, I can debunk that by what happens on the last episode of the month. By
2: actually watching it being like, oh no, there's a first blood chair in a pole match. I wonder who's goddamn writing this show.
1: <laughs> I think I literally said while watching it, oh, Vince is back <laughs> booking.
2: So even then, they were trying to do like, oh, Russo's out, he's not, gonna, he's not at the show, what's happening with Vince Russo? So I, I, I do think they're, they're laying the seeds for a, a Hogan-Russo worked shoot. Great, that'll do numbers. Dutchman Talent Scott DeMore held a meeting with the wrestlers prior to the Wednesday, October 15th pay-per-view, basically doing like a, a rah-rah, build them up, a pay-per-view's coming, Hogan's coming, everything. TNA is a rocket ship ready to explode, as Jeff Jarrett loves to say.
1: Fuck you, they're wrong, you're right. <laughs> I want to see Scott DeMode do the E speech. He's probably done a few of them in his life. I want the exact same one, though. <laughs> do you think every GCW show starts with a E <laughs> speech? Well, if you listen to at GCW Truther, I don't, I don't think there's any raw speeches anymore. No, I listen
2: to at GCW Truth Truther.
1: Uh, I listen to at GCW, truth, truth a truther, truther. You, you might think this is a joke. All of these exist, by the way. It's just funny because they started calling each other by their shoot names. <laughs> they even dropped the pretense of,
2: why we even start burners?
1: Oh uh, uh, dear, so they're,
2: they're trying to get everyone on board, everyone excited about this new Hulk Hogan era of TNA.
1: I thought you were going to say about this new Circle Six promotion. <laughs>
2: It's actually funny. Like the, the, again, there are so many parallels to two thousand nine when Hogan comes in. Like Dixie Carter does the same thing, except she put it on television. <laughs> yeah, the very famous Dixie Carter segment where she's like, "If you're not behind me, sorry, let him go.
1: If you're not behind me, <laughs> then you can get out." Yep. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter.
2: <laughs> where Dixie did her big promo, where she's like, "I, if you don't agree with my decisions, you could There's the door. Uh, and Hogan's coming in, and this company is, is going good places.
1: If you don't agree with me, there is the door.
2: I think the Dixie's getting better. I think it's getting worse, but it's getting better as it gets worse.
1: Mm, mm, mm. I think she's getting sassier. Mm. And I appreciate it. I, I, I've I, I've really captured the Dixie sass. I've you know what I've got I've got heel Dixie. Well, that's the only Dixie, really, isn't there? Is there a babyface Dixie? Yeah, I got Dixieland Dixie. So there are
2: multiple players coming in for Hogan, one of which is TNA, one of which is Morad Muhammad, who wants to start a two-hour wrestling boxing combined TV show based around Hogan, and then the third one, of course, is New Japan Pro Wrestling. I thought you were going to talk about Celebrity Wrestling. No, that doesn't happen for years. (laughs) i watched episodes of that. I watched every episode of Celebrity Wrestling with
1: Dustin Diamond. How did you not know who Screech was then? Ah, I only watched like one episode. (laughs) (laughs) You freaking... Didn't Screech win that show? I don't know. Maybe we should watch that. Maybe that should be our next Patreon series. If we can can find it, we'll dig it out. (laughs) Sorry, I was going to say, the New Japan stuff is actually interesting. I've got to admit, I'm pretty compelled to watch a 20-minute Hulk Hogan-Masahiro Chono match. (laughs) It's not even the main event, but I'm I'm sure it's probably pretty good. I kind of want to... Because, like, Hogan always worked hard in Japan.
2: Yeah, well, he did, like, two more moves, but yes...
1: Yeah, but that's, like, him working hard. He was, like, bouncing around. You ever see, like, those earlier stuff that he did? He's, like, bouncing around and <laughs> taking big bumps.
2: Yeah, so uh, New Japan are also making a play for Hogan. They want him to be involved regularly, so they he had this chono match. He was meant to do January 4th as well. They also offered him
1: the book, so... <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I just, I'm imagining Hogan doing a G1. I'm imagining Hogan booking New Japan. <laughs> just WCW. Can't believe they offered him the book.
2: Yeah, there's a story about how like they they want Hogan to be involved in New Japan long term, so they offered him booking power, and even when Chono when he get, went over for that match against Chono, Chono introduced him as like a, a booking consultant.
1: Wow, that's insane. <laughs> the, they they want the Hulkster brother. Everyone wants the Hulkster. I'm just imagining like Hogan booking like the IWGP Junior Tag under undercard stuff. I'm
2: saying think J- Hogan thinks of Liger.
1: I think he respects Liger. Do you think Hogan knows who like Yuji Nagata is? No, I think his knowledge base ends at like ninety, early nineties New Japan. Even though Nagata worked a bunch of
2: WCW. Yeah, but like he didn't watch any of that. He's not watching these undercard matches with these Japanese imports.
1: He's not watching Thunder.
2: And uh, he just has to listen to Days of Thunder instead, where you're <laughs> oh, he all you about the, the Yuji Nagata matches. He said, well, Lee mentioned us on the most recent episode of Days of Thunder, so I have to return the favour and mention Days of Thunder, where you can listen to in the Voices of the Pressing Podcasting Network. Did
1: Yuji Nagata even work Thunder? Yeah, Yuji Nagata would have worked Thunder. WCW Thunder. WCW Thunder, January 29th, 1998. Yuji Nagata versus Goldberg. Yeah,
2: dream match. I'm watching that after we finish this. It's probably, like, surprisingly good.
1: (laughs) I'm putting it in the watch later. (laughs) I assume that Nagata does some leg kicks and then Goldberg spears him. Probably. (laughs) Oh, I I skipped ahead, and uh, Goldberg seems to have some sort of ankle lock on Yuji Nagata, so I think they're working shoot style, brother. Hell yeah. So if you want an
2: idea of who's going to be on this November 30th show, if it actually happens, Sting was approached for about appearing, but he didn't seem particularly interesting. He had signed a a four-match deal, but... Hadn't entirely been returning TNA's calls lately, but we will get to Sting in in the course of this month. Jarrett had tentative plans for a Christopher Daniels-Neil Skipper against AMW match as a rematch of one of the best bouts in company history. Which is something we had seen the the beginnings of play out on TV at uh, this month. And something that also went absolutely nowhere. Where Daniels does the th- tease that he he needs his brothers and then like four weeks go by and nothing happens. As well as Tiger Mask versus Huvy if Huvy can solve his visa problems and then... then.
1: You're notoriously your least favorite wrestler of all time, Tiger Mask.
2: I, I do not like Tiger Mask 4. Give up the gimmick, dude. Go try and stand in your own two feet. <laughs> you, you want him to give it up at, like, 55? Yes. Uh, I want him even more so to give up the gimmick at 55 and eventually be like, I am my own man. No one would probably make him GHC Heavyweight Champ. <laughs> Maybe.
1: At 51 years old, you're like, alright, time to be Yoshihiro Yamazaki. <laughs> yeah, time to be your own man. He's uh, teaming with Rubby Eagles. Oh, you, okay, yeah. You know how we were talking about Sasuke? Mm hmm. On the Watch Along? Were we? Yeah, um. Oh, re- re- as a ninja warrior, re- not the great Sasuke, okay. Outside of wrestling, Yamazaki appeared on the second Sasuke competition in 1998. Oh, good for him. Although he failed to make it past the first obstacle.
2: Ba- first obstacle? Oh, that's very bad.
1: <laughs> very. Oh, sorry, I'm getting spoiled about and a on Tiger Mask Wikipedia. Yeah,
2: he shows up in 2007 and 2008. Wow, I'm excited.
1: Is that why you don't like him? Because he <laughs> shit the bed in those matches or something? No, he was actually pretty fine in those matches. No, oh, it's almost like he's actually pretty okay. So after all of this, after all the negotiations
2: with TNA, after after all the putting together cards, after all of the scouting venues, after all of that, Hulk Hogan pulls out of Bound for Glory. <laughs> <sighs> NWA TNA officials decided to postpone the November 30th Bound for Glory pay-per-view after Hulk Hogan's decision to have his knee scoped. As announced on the October 22nd show, TNA is planning to reschedule the event, with most sources predicting it will take place in January or February. Spoilers, it doesn't. They should have done it January 4th.
1: Well, Hogan was meant to work the dome, and he doesn't do that either, so... That's so funny. Oh god, this is so funny. (laughs) Imagine being the guys like... I don't want to work this show so badly that I'm gonna go get surgery.
2: <laughs> he, I, I like, I do think it was very much the case that Hulk Hogan was using all of this as leverage to go back to WWE. WWE didn't bite, so he's like, "Fuck it, I'm getting knee surgery." <laughs> I also think there's a bit of Hogan who thought him against Jarrett and TNA wouldn't do a number. And Hogan is fiercely protective of all of that. He is fiercely protective of his ability to pop a rating to protect his own value in the wrestling market. And I think he thought that if he did in fact show up in TNA, if he did do the match, even if he became an NWA champion, it probably wouldn't pop like a huge rating. It probably wouldn't do a huge attendance. So that would decrease his value for WWE and perhaps potential outside projects starting up. So I I think that's another factor that Hogan's like, I kind of don't want to do it because I think it'll affect my aura. (laughs)
1: They should have done Hogan, Raven. That would have been the match. The
2: performance may give TNA enough time to make arrangements so that they can hold the show in Vegas, although the Nashville Auditorium had been discussed as a potential venue. Hogan wanted the show to take place in Tampa. They know not because he lives close to Tampa and it would be easy to travel there, but because he thinks he could draw there.
1: I mean, he's probably right.
2: Because that's where the Bubble the Love Sponge show would have the the largest market penetration, so he could he could get a bunch of stuff done.
1: Oh, that's such an easy joke there, but I'm not going to do it.
2: <laughs> Using the word penetration in relation to Hulk Hogan and Bubba the Love Sponge. <laughs> Just it's too
1: easy. I'm not going to do it. I, I I I'm teeing you up too well,
2: is what you're saying. Yeah, not not this time. The theory is that Hogan was not crazy about the idea of working a major pay-per-view event on such short notice and wanted to make sure that there would be enough time to promote the
1: event. That's it properly. Mm. That's what that I believe I believe that to be the case.
2: Enough what I find quite a funny note given the week before they did the big Rara speech November 30th pay-view per Hogan's coming in. There was no formal announcement to the locker room from anyone in TNA management regarding the pay-per-view postponement. Word spread throughout the locker room of Hogan's injury via the internet, but there were some wrestlers who felt uh, that a meeting to discuss the situation was needed, which, frankly, I would agree with.
1: I mean, yes, but, like, they can't go back on the rah-rah speech now. Like, Polly does the fuck you, uh, and then it's like, next week, like, hey, guys, um... (laughs) We were wrong.
2: They were right. We have to calamitously backtrack here, so we're going to do it as quietly as we can.
1: Yeah, we're gonna let people find out at home so they don't maybe they don't wanna talk
2: about it. So we went all in on this Hulk Hogan guy. This guy's coming in, he's doing a big match with Jeff Jarrett. We're gonna do our first three hour pay view, it's bound for glory it's gonna be this big huge event we're gonna hype you up we're gonna start promoting it on tv we're gonna change the champion we're gonna turn our top babyface heel we're gonna turn our top heel babyface all to get ourselves ready for this big hogan ma- oh no hogan's not coming anymore oh uh,
1: never mind guys we're just gonna go on sit, do, 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 do. everything we do, i don't there, think in their speech, big speech they were talking about how they had to hot shot the bookings <laughs>
2: We had to throw everything we were building to out the window to turn Jared heel and turn Stahl's face. To be fair,
1: Jared probably should have been heel the whole time, Neido should have been faced the whole time. So.
2: Mm. According to those close to Hogan, he tweaked his knee in the Shono match and he will be undergoing surgery on October 31st.
1: I'm watching that match, and I'm going to be looking at his,
2: at his knee the entire time. There's there's a, a theory from Dave Meltzer, but that we'll talk about in a second. According to those close to Hogan, uh, he had never signed a TNA contract to do the pay-per-view. This puts the company in a position where it has to publicly explain the postponement of the show, which they kind of do. We'll talk about that when we get to the actual creative of the show, when we talk about broad topics. But... They, they, they try to a little. At this point, Hogan is still scheduled to work the January 4th Tokyo Dome Show has, and has verbally agreed to do a match with Jeff Jarrett in February. Jimmy Hart was going through with his scheduled appearance on the October 22nd show where he was going to explain Hogan's injury and possibly the new date. They didn't announce any new date, just that the match would happen sometime in the future.
1: I think they should have just gone through with it. But gone through it what? <laughs> just do a big-ass pay-per-view. Oh, just without Hogan? Yeah, just do Bound for Glory, like, see if you can get Sting into work in his place. You don't have to do it in, like, such a big arena, but, like, they should have just done Bound for Glory. Well, we do have a few
2: Sting matches coming up for the rest of the year, so do you, do you think they could have just pivoted to doing Sting and Jarrett?
1: Yeah, I think you just do Sting Jarrett, like, maybe you say you postpone it and give it, like, an extra month of build or whatever, but yeah, I think you just run Sting Jarrett.
2: You think that would actually draw?
1: Sting Jarrett, you do your AMW rematch, You get and that frees up AJ for a big match. Potentially X-match against Michael Shane. <laughs> yeah, that's the big match. Well, we'll
2: talk about where AJ's going in a minute as well.
1: No. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I just think they should have committed to it and run the, the show. Mm. With, like, maybe some less high expectations. Maybe just rebrand one of the monthly ones into A Bound for Glory or something. Sorry, one of the weekly ones into A Bound for Glory.
2: And then, like, you could probably just still run it from the Asylum then. It's, it's fine to run that show from the Asylum.
1: Or even if you want to make it a big deal and run it from a slightly bigger building, like, I don't know. I just feel like you should have committed to it at this point and that backing out of it completely is worse than just backing out of the Hogan situation. Especially given, like, how
2: they, they did go all in on, like, they, they announced it, and they started building to it, and they showed all the footage from the angle in Japan that we'll talk about, where Jeff Jarrett attacked Hulk Hogan in Japan, we'll talk about all that when we were going through the, the actual shows, like, the, the, they, they were all in on this already on TV, and then, they, the, like, the, just the next week, Jimmy Hart comes out, and it's like, uh, sorry guys, it's not happening,
1: <laughs> sorry. Mm. And, like, Sting's a big enough replacement. Mm. I, I, yeah, they should have just committed into Unbound for Glory, I think. Another question many are asking is regarding Hogan's
2: right knee injury. Hogan has a history of bad knees, and anyone who has watched him wrestle over the last many years can see the knees have given him more problems than any other body part. This is from the wrestling Right, ever- Dave? Dave is like, look at this man's shoddy knees.
1: I love Dave's like bitchiness
2: in his writing. It's very fun. And I love that he is like the premier writer in the
1: genre, and he's just like throwing in sassy jabs. I was listening to some Between the Sheets stuff, and he was talking about the Big Egg show, and it was really funny when, like, they would review, like, the FMW stuff, and he'd be like, oh, this girl was, like, five foot two. Oh, like, how small? And then, like, when it comes to the four foot eleven old Japan women's girl, he doesn't bring it up at all. <laughs> it's like, he knows where his bread's buttered. Those who have socialized
2: with Hogan note that he moves very slowly when the cameras are off because of knee damage. He had an artificial knee put in a few years back and has had several knee surgeries in recent years. Hogan has also worked for years on bad knees and this is only one match. Jimmy Hart told TNA officials that Hogan wanted to make sure he was 100% and not limp through the match. As if Hogan's athletic ability was in question here.
1: Do you think Jimmy felt like shit for having to do this for Hulk? Or do you think he's like, I'll take it on the chin. I'll do my best to make something come out of this.
2: I think when you look at the angle Jimmy does when he shows up and he gets the
1: absolute shit kicked out of him by Jeff Jarrett. You think that's like a make good?
2: I think that's a make good where the dude is willing to get himself whipped to shreds just to be like, listen, Hulk's showing up, not showing up. And let's be real. I think we all probably know he's never showing up. So
1: you can beat the shit out of me instead what a good pal what a nice guy I mean and let's be fair I'm sure Hog was like his meal ticket for a lot, a lot of years so probably has some sort of responsibility there and he's basically his promoter he's not his agent but
2: yeah he's basically his promoter I miss managers that would like shoot managers for people mm. whether back to a, a moment of sassy Dave whether his knees are healthy or not his match quality isn't going to change appreciably <laughs> and however the crowd is going to react to him would be the same way either way it was also noted that Hogan could have suffered a minor injury in the match with Chono and not realized it in the heat of the match. It it could not have been that serious because he appeared at a New Japan company meeting the next day, walking around the same as he did before the Chono match. Reporters also noticed he was not limping when he went home. The story given was that the knee started swelling up days later and he went to get it checked. And when the test came back on October 21st, they immediately contacted TNA and asked to get the show delayed.
1: It was the altitude from the plane ride. Clared it up. Just messed with his knees. I believe it. Who am I to say that uh, Hulk Hogan's lying? (laughs) You don't think Hulk Hogan is a man of low moral fibre? I think that Hulk Hogan guy.
2: Pretty upfront about his feelings. He's on the up and up. He's a good guy. Mm. The tentative plans for the Hogan-Jarrett match are now either February 8th or February 15th for the show, with Tampa or Las Vegas at this point being the major cities under consideration. I'm excited for that match. <laughs> well, you will never get it. No. You know what? When Hogan debuts in TNA in twenty ten and he buries the absolute <laughs> living shit out of Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, what the fuck, Hulk? They they never call back to this.
1: Jarrett well, I probably didn't want to like actually piss off Hogan.
2: <laughs> but I I would have thought like the whole thing about this is the Bash at the Beach 2000 stuff. Jeff Jarrett attacks Hogan in Japan. It would have been the easiest story in the world to go, you know, last time I was flirting with TNA, you came to Japan and beat the shit out of me. Th- that's the reason I'm burying you now for no reason whatsoever.
1: Well, you see, you see, uh, Garrett, that may reflect poorly on Hulk Hogan, and that's not okay. And Jarrett's like, well, you didn't show up at all. Yeah, so like... If it was to reflect poorly on Jeff Jarrett, I think it would be fine. But uh, on Hulkster, I don't think that's going to fly.
2: They were not about to announce the actual new date for Bound for Glory until they find out how long the recovery time for Hogan will be. Hogan ended up having arthroscopic surgery on October 31st. He has not committed to the Tokyo Dome show at New Japan, but will make a decision based on healing in the next two weeks. And when he gets a timetable, the pay-per-view will be officially rescheduled.
1: I'm sure you would have just worked like some sort of uh, tag with China, right?
2: Yeah, probably where he could do very little. He do- he doesn't do anything. That was the- that shono match was his last New Japan match, I believe.
1: Uh, trust me, I know. I-, I looked up the schedule immediately after finding out he worked New Japan in two thousand and three.
2: In front of a crowd of either thirty-seven, forty-seven, or fifty-five thousand, depending on which number you believe,
1: or t- or like twenty-three thousand.
2: Well, the number Dave has, has has was thirty-seven.
1: Or like twenty-three thousand.
2: <laughs> so that is more or less an hour. On the Hulk Hogan flirting with
1: TNA. Thank God we now don't have to talk about it in the shows at all.
2: Yeah, there's no Hulk Hogan involvement at all in the actual shows that we'd have to also talk about.
1: <sighs> We're gonna like speed round the actual shows because the news is way more interesting than the Sunny Siaki and Ekmo wrestled a tag match this month.
2: <laughs> Listen, very excited to talk about Sunny Siaki and Ekmo against Shark Boy and Mad Mikey. I'm sure, I'm sure you are. You've Got To Be Kidding Me is brought to you this week by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients to your door including farm fresh produce that arrives within a week. So you get convenience without skimping on quality. Skip the trip to the grocery store, saving you that wait in long lines and ensuring you don't waste money on excess food. Don't forget dessert. Satisfy your sweet tooth with seasonal limited time goodies, like Dunkaroo's cookie dough or vanilla delight cheesecake. You know, we can all get caught in a rut of eating the same things over and over just out of habit and reliability and HelloFresh helps kind of break that loop giving you new and fresh and interesting things to eat so go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use the code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts that's HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 using the code VOW16 there's a few more news notes this month. Jerry Jarrett is still very much involved in TNA's power structure, although he may not have an official title. Wrestlers say Jeff Jarrett uses his father as a sounding board on all major decisions, booking,
1: and other yeah. Good, Good for Jerry. Still getting in there. Still swinging. Yeah, he hasn't been cut out yet. <laughs> I was worried that he was gone, to be honest. Jerry still sits at
2: the gorilla position at every show and watches the matches on a monitor with Jeff. Jerry also makes himself available to talk with the wrestlers. One wrestler Jerry spends a lot of time with is Raven, who tells other wrestlers he learns a lot from spending 10 to 15 minutes per week with the elder Jared.
1: Oh, God, to be a fly on the
2: wall for the raven jerry Jared conversations. Just having a nice little chat for 20 minutes every, every week. Talking about some wrestling. Get some historical knowledge from old Jerry. Yeah, I
1: think that would have been it. I would, have, yeah, I bet that, I bet some great information for the rest of the business came out of that.
2: And there's a reason Raven is the, the top babyface in the company. He's learned all these important lessons from Jerry Jarrett. <laughs> yes, that's the Jarrett relationship that's helping that. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Dutch Mantel's early role in TNA appears to be that. Of more of an agent than a booker, Russo and Glenn Gilberti... There you go,
1: you take, take back all your slander of Dutch Mantel. This changes through the month. Russo and Gilberti have continued to
2: write the shows and Mantel has in place in charge of working out finishes for the matches Russo and Gilberti format.
1: Imagine being the guy who's like, your job is to make sense of Gilberti and Russo's booking. <laughs> And these are two people who
2: famously deal well with change and criticism. There was more Dutch Mantel influence on the show this past week, uh, and his influence should grow to where he's largely in full control within a few weeks the October 15th show is said to be the last show with Russo and Gilberti writing this does change the original draft which again this is the the worked shoot stuff where you see stuff like this come out and then the next week it's like dave is like no actually Russo being gone is a work and he actually wrote the show but they're still changing the show and Russo's mad that they're changing the show and there's all this like power struggle still going on and people are mad at each other that their creative ideas aren't aren't getting through onto the show but Mantel is gaining power. Russo is losing power. Is probably the broader, broader t- thing to take away from this month.
1: If that comes, if that's like throughout the month, then we actually have to give Dutch credit because the last three of the shows were actually way better than the first two. So
2: that is true. Uh, way better is a subjective term, though, as you mentioned. It, it yeah,
1: <laughs> way better. I mean, like a, from a two to like a five.
2: It's like when you you put the bar somewhere in in like the middle of the Earth's core. It's quite easy to clear it. Yeah, and then they're like.
1: It hits, like, you know, the crust.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Someday we'll, we'll reach the surface, Liam. Someday. I, I don't know if that's true. So yeah, there's this whole thing this month about Russo being in or out, or is he working in secret again because of the, all the Hogan stuff the, doesn't want him there, and then there's the question of, uh, well, is that a work? And we're, we're back to Vince Russo working for- I think for...
1: the safe bet is always
2: yes. <laughs> yeah. We're back to the Vince Russo, is it a work, is it a shoot, is he working for the company, is he not working for the company, is he
1: writing the show, is he not writing the show? At least, like, from our perspective, all of this work-shoot bullshit is backstage and not on the screen.
2: Yeah, for the most part, that's it's gone off the actual TV show, except weird stuff about health insurance.
1: Oh yeah, that is a weird one.
2: But apparently, Dixie still wants Russo in the mix, Jarrett and Russo have different visions of wrestling and constantly butt heads. <laughs>
1: That'll be the next ten years. Dixie
2: constantly going back to uh, Vinny Rue is a reoccurring theme that we will cover very, very, very often. (laughs)
1: Fuck's back, TV!
2: (laughs) The working agreement between TNA and AAA is very close to being final. Paco Alonso, BMLL, didn't seem to make any kind of serious effort to head it off. And even though he controls most of the best wrestlers in Mexico, Antonio Pena was more persistent.
1: Alright, well, I mean, hey, you go after the one that actually won show. Well,
2: Antonio Pena was actually on the TV show this month, so.
1: Yeah, he showed up.
2: It's actually fun. There's a there's a bunch of notes in the Wrestling Observer about like whether or not EMLL will actually make a play for TNA and, and, and like the, the the back and forth between those companies and obviously TNA are, are are kind of getting into the bed with New Japan this month where they have the angle
1: the forbidden
2: door the original forbidden door opening here in the NWA TNA where Jeff Jarrett jumps to New Japan to do the angle with Hogan and there there's like questions of EML uh, uh, questions of whether or not EML will want to work with TNA because of that and whether or not that'll affect whether or not AAA will work with yeah, it's like, oh, look at Mexican wrestling politics bleeding out into this working agreement on TNA.
1: Well, like, isn't... I don't know. I don't, I don't know enough about Mexican wrestling politics to even talk about it, I guess. Don Callas was one of 29 students that graduated with
2: MBAs from Asper Business College at the, at the University of Manitoba on October 22nd. So, well done to Mr. MBA Don Callas here in October 2003. He did it. Uh, Callas, when ECW, and WCW... Uh, went down in 2001, started studying for his MBA because he never wanted to be left in a position where he was in, where he didn't have good career options outside of wrestling.
1: This is like one of those dudes where it's like, uh, you, you wish that he um he never got out of the business.
2: And he was gone for a long time.
1: And so I just noticed that like my mic had been making this noise for like 30 minutes, and I couldn't for the life of me work out how to fix it. Mm-hmm. And then I suddenly just like knocked it slightly and it has fixed it.
2: Good. I'm excited to fix that in post.
1: I'm sorry, I was trying to work out how to fix it the whole time. You and your goddamn microphone. This mic is broken, Garrett.
2: My heart is broken.
1: Alright, we need like 300 more Patreons so I can buy a good mic.
2: You can get a decent microphone for like 50 bucks.
1: Ooh, la dad, da look at me, I have $50 lying around. I do. Alright, eh, well. I don't. So
2: congratulations to Don Callis in 2003 on getting his MBA
1: congratulations to me for working out how to fix my mic
2: so that is the the news notes for October 2003 which is pretty much entirely
1: Hulk Hogan brother I mean the most important note was Carlos getting his MBA but uh, everything else was pretty neat too sure, sure that was the highlight of the show, hope you enjoyed it uh, <laughs> what Hulk Hogan? Hulk Hogan is the highlight of our show Liam, is that what you're saying? yes, have you seen what the rest of this is going to be on? So
2: I was doing the show notes where I was just typing out literally what happened on all of these shows. And like, even then I was bored. <laughs> oh,
1: I, you just reminded me that I wrote notes for these shows. You should probably break them out so you could remember what happened. Yeah, look at me. I promised everyone on the last show that I would write notes for the first time. So Liam will actually
2: have memories of things. So the person on YouTube won't get mad at him for saying I have no thoughts about the War Games match.
1: No, to be fair, they didn't get mad at me. They just said it wasn't a very good bit. Which, to be fair, they were right, (laughs) but uh, if they only listened to the video, they didn't get the great payoff of the pizza, so... Which was, like, our best, (laughs) like, reacted-to bit we've ever done. Have you ordered a pizza during this show? Um, no, I I got work early tomorrow. i have have sore tummy if (laughs) if I get a pizza this late. That is very pragmatic of you. Yeah, I know, right? So broad
2: topics for the month. Let's start with the world title scene in which we were continuing the the where last month left off, building to a world title match between the American Dream Dusty Rhodes and the phenomenal AJ Styles.
1: And honestly, a match that I'm I'm glad happened just for historical value.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those cool TNA things where it's just like you're going through the TNA history, like looking at the matches that happen on these shows, and you're like, oh shit, an AJ Styles Dusty Rhodes world title match.
1: Yeah, like, never watch it, but just be glad that it happened. Mm.
2: So NWA TNA paper number 64 is built around AJ Styles and Vince Russo facing Jeff Jarrett and Dusty Rhodes in the main event. That's October 1st, 2003. There's a a show-running angle where Russo doesn't want the match to happen, so he's, like, talking to Jeff Jarrett. He's trying to talk Jeff Jarrett out of doing the match. He's he's trying to make his one final plea to his friend Jeff Jarrett after this
1: year. I was going to say, this was a a big return to, like, the... The sexual chemistry of these two performers. Uh, Every time they're together, you just like, just kiss. But Jeff keeps turning him down, Liam. I know. That's why they're star-crossed lovers. It'll never happen. And that's it's their own prejudices that are stopping them from experiencing true love. Bringing it back. I just, it's a sad story. You just wish they could get on the same page. Sure do. So... <laughs> Imagine a heel stable that Jeff and Russo are both in.
2: No, I don't want to. That's the dream. I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to have that Jeff thought Jeff, Gilberti, Russo. No, 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 I guess Siaki would have to be there because he's in all of their stables just hanging around. Yeah, but like barely a part of it. Trinity's there too, I guess. Sure. So yeah, we had the show angle on October 1st where Russo told AJ, this match isn't going to happen. I'm actually going to, uh, I'm going to make amends with Jarrett finally. And then he tries to make amends with Jarrett and Jarrett's like, just go fuck yourself. Jarrett's like,
1: no. What the
2: fuck? <laughs> we have literally been at each other's throats
1: for a full calendar year now. So, no. I like that Russo was like, he was confident that this would be the time it would work. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I believe that we, that we can get this done. Like, you know, we've done all this stuff, but this is the time I can get through to him. But he did not. He failed. It's a shame. Which brings us to our main event
2: of that show. Jeff Jarrett and Dusty Rhodes faced Vince Russo and AJ Styles. Listen, I know I wrote notes. Uh-huh. I did not write any notes for this match. <laughs> Dusty did a brain buster in this match, Liam. It, yeah, not intentionally. <laughs> he still did a brain buster. That's fair, that is that is fair. He very much did take AJ up for a delayed vertical suplex and then brought him down
1: into a brain buster kinda of by accident, but he still did a brain buster. To me the match was kinda of nothing. I the Styles got his ass slapped again. That was that was fun. Yeah
2: like the the story of the match is like continuing to build tension between Jarrett and Dusty. So Jarrett hits the top rope stroke, Dusty spanks AJ's button pins him, and they they're all happy. Jarrett's not mad that he stole the pin. But then after the match, AJ's like all flustered and mad and he's like, "I'll give you any match you want. Do you want a a, a, a Texas bullwhip match? A Texas this a, te- a Texas <laughs> a, a Texas pig
1: eating contest? I do want that, by the way."
2: It's very fun. I I love that promo just because AJ very clearly couldn't think of anything Texas related.
1: Like, so much of this show is written. Did they not write Styles promos for him?
2: So he's like trying to improvise some kind of Texas related stipulation, but he cannot think of any. So he like blusters and flusters and mumbles for a little bit and then comes out with like a bullwhip match and a
1: pig eating match. Well, lucky he doesn't say anything else. Knowing AJ's history with getting flustered and shouting things. He did not shout any slurs. That's good. This is kind of evident of like the whole story this whole month, which is like AJ and Russo splitting up and Jarrett and Dusty splitting up Mm -hmm. both at the same time. Because afterwards we get a... I thought it was a... The thing that saved that AJ promo was when he slapped the taste out of Russo's mouth.
2: Yeah, because he's offering Dusty any match he wants, and Russo's like, no, no, don't do it, because the same thing happened the last show I was last month, where, where AJ's like, I want to face Dusty, and Russo talked him out of it. He talked him down that time.
1: Talked him into the tag match.
2: Yeah, so this time uh, Russo's like, oh, he's trying to talk him down again, but AJ's like, no, I'm my own man. You don't tell me what to do. And he slaps Vince Russo. And Russo's like, I like this, like, little bit of an unhinged AJ here. I thought it was really good. All you have to do, Liam, is spank his bottom, and he will go mental.
1: I'm sure that is true.
2: Give AJ a little spanky poo, maybe with horsey poo. Add horsey poo, spank his bottle with horsey poo. He would not have got the points for that though, (laughs) because he would not have liked it. No, he he would have lost points in the Duff Cup. He would have not enjoyed horsey poo. So yeah, uh, AJ's all all flustered and fired up saying, Dusty, you can have any match you want. And Dusty's like, any match you say? Oh, I could have a a Texas Ballroom match. I could have a Bunkhouse Brawl. Or perhaps I could have an NWA World Heavyweight title match.
1: Yeah, it's a good shout there. It's like you offered me any match. Yeah, I'll take a title match. Mm.
2: So, so Styles is like, you're on. Let's do it. And then Jeff Jarrett is pissed because earlier in this show, it was announced that Jeff Jarrett would face AJ Styles for the world title on the October twenty second pay per view. So Jarrett has his title shot, and he is not pleased, Liam, that Dusty Rhodes is jumping the line and getting a title shot before him.
1: I'd be pretty pleased. And like, either Dusty's gonna like weaken up AJ. Or I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight Dusty. And the, would you think you'd have a better chance against Dusty, Liam? I think I would have a better chance against Dusty,
2: yes. Uh, over AJ Styles? Andrew probably fucked me up. You could probably just smack AJ's bottom,
1: and then he'll lose his cool, and then you could beat him. Uh, I I would love to have, like, <laughs> to stand and throw hands with Dusty Rhodes in my life. <laughs> Even if I got the shit, like, pe- like fucking kicked out of me at the same time, I would have been like, yeah, let's go. I'm into this. That would be very much one you would do
2: just to have the story. Yeah, I'd be smiling the whole time. Just getting your ass kicked by the American Dream, baby. As he's, cut- he's cutting a promo on you as he's kicking your ass.
1: Oh, that's the dream. I don't care, like he can hit me with like shoot punches and then hit a worked elbow and I'll still bump. Mm.
2: So that sets up AJ Styles against the American Dream Dusty Rhodes for NWAT and Baby number sixty five, October eighth. Jeff Jarrett opens that show coming out and he talks about how Dusty is selfish. Dusty's out for himself. Dusty is jumping the line, he's a typical icon just like Savage and Hogan and Piper. And all these people who name drops multiple times this month, I think, just to get Hogan's name in there in a way that seems moderately organic, as opposed to just mentioning Hogan for no reason whatsoever. And Dusty comes out and he stands on the ramp and he's like, no, you can't talk. I'm not letting you respond to me. I have things to say. I
1: love this, actually. And every time Dusty would go to say something, he'd cut him off with it. It was so good. Mm. And then Dusty just, like, didn't even get a word in and, like, Jarrett leaves. And Dusty just looks like, Despondent from it.
2: Yeah, he's like, well, I'm not even going to say anything because the segment just ends. Like as you mentioned, Jarrett's like, the, the the best thing I can do tonight is leave the building. So uh, an I will face whether it's you or or AJ that walks out of that match. I'll see you on October 22nd, but I'm out of here. And yeah, Dusty just kind of stands there, kind of flabbergasted.
1: He's shell shocked. This is a good angle. Just an interesting note from my from me watching this show. Interesting choice to seemingly have Jarrett and Styles double turn ahead of their title match. Oh, Liam of a week ago—you—you you, you hardly knew. I wonder why they suddenly put that into movement. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I really liked this segment. I thought the segment was really good. It's funny, like, there's a lot of like, uh, cool segments on these shows, but the wrestling just really let it down. So, today has a sit-down interview with Dusty, where they talk about his history with the NWA
2: title, and how that title means so much to him. And it, it's, it's just your your standard Dusty Rhodes promo, where he's like, oh, this is, the, the history of tradition is so important to me. And it
1: works every time, because he's Dusty Rhodes. I could listen to Dusty talk about the territories. All day. He's
2: like the opposite of Piper in that even when Dusty talks about nothing, he's interesting. Whereas Piper always talks about nothing and he's not interesting at all.
1: But you know what it is? He adds like this gravitas to to history and it makes you feel like how important it was. Mm. It's really brilliant. He, he, if there was a podcast back in the day where, where Dusty and Rob Naylor were just talking about territories, I tell you right, I would have slapped down. I would have paid the Patreon money for that.
2: Because yeah, Dusty's talking about how how
1: important it was to
2: him that he he won the belt that Jask Briscoe or Lutea has had and how uh, that established him in wrestling, and now this you know he he maybe has one more last run in him. Maybe AJ's taking him a little lightly, and I do love how he he turns it around on Jared. It's like if if the positions were reversed last week and I had the world title match on October twenty second, and Jared had a chance to dig
1: a title match on the eighth, he'd take it every day of the week, and he's like, yes, you're right, he would. And I like um. How in this promo he's like, maybe I'm a little selfish, maybe maybe I am a little cocky. He's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm allowed to be, bitch. I'm Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, he's like, I'm the American Dream. I can I can do whatever the hell I want. And it's like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. You
2: can. You are the American Dream. There was a a, a slightly more unfortunate show running angle through this one, which was Vince Russo. Uh, I, I, listen, <laughs> I thought it was good. <laughs> So, Russo is not there at the start of the show, Styles is worried, he's there backstage with Siaki, Trinity, and ECMO, and they, they can't get in touch with Russo and Trinity's like, oh no, he's gonna come, it's fine. And then later in the show, right before the world title
1: match, a drunk Vince Russo arrives! Yeah. And he, a drunk uh, Vince Russo arrives looking exactly like me. <laughs> oh, that's how you look all the time? Just hair everywhere, beanie half on, jacket half on... <laughs> just straight up lay him fit right here he's like hey
2: AJ don't you worry bro we're gonna everything's gonna be he's Rick from Rick and Morty no he's Morty from Rick and Morty uh, he's both he's Rick and Morty combined into
1: one yeah, Rick Vince Russo talking to Morty AJ Styles about <laughs> wrestling Dusty Rhodes. So yeah, he shows up drunk and he's at
2: ringside drunk for the world title match between the phenomenal AJ Styles and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes for the NWA world title in which Styles retains after Dusty Rhodes passed out in the figure four and AJ beaten by
1: pinfall. Uh, yeah, uh, Dusty bleeds like, a maniac in this. It looks like he's been shot in the goddamn eye at one point. This, like, like the crowds
2: are pretty dead for all of October. The, like, like for the a crowd that was actually pretty hot for a few months there, they, they completely lose interest in TNA this month. And this is the match where I'm most sad, like, the crowd weren't into it. Like, because, like, uh, a big match where Dusty's in the world title match and the crowd are living and dying on Dusty... And I think there, there's two things that maybe distract from them being invested in Dusty, and that is... <laughs> there's one big thing that distracts distract them. The first is, is the fact that Jarrett is getting the title match October 22nd, so most people probably don't think Dusty's winning.
1: Yeah, I think going into this, not many people thought Dusty had a chance here. But, like, I I guess that's what the opening segment of the style of the show was meant to be. It was like, if it is Dusty Jarrett, like at least there'll be something to it.
2: Mm. And then the other thing, of course, is Vince Russo playing drunk at ringside. Just just taking all of the steam away from the match. It's all about Vinny Rue.
1: I remember being so worried that Vince Russo was going to ruin this by making it all about him. He did. They kept, like, cutting back to Russo, like, very early on in the match. And I'm just like, stop it. I'm trying to watch Dusty Rhodes and AJ Styles. Uh,
2: like, th- this, th- th- it actually made me mad. that like, you have Dusty Rhodes against AJ Styles. Like... I think calling it a dream match is probably a step too far because of like, like this isn't Dusty in his prime. But it's like a really cool intergenerational match. And you decide to make this whole goddamn match between one of the best up-and-coming wrestlers in wrestling in 2003 against one of the most iconic wrestlers in the history of wrestling. You decide to make the whole thing about drunk Vince Russo. Like, they're The only person who can make that choice is Vince Russo. I can't imagine, like, everybody in that building, everyone else in this company is like, yes, this is what this match should be about. It should be about Vince Russo spiraling out of control instead of a really cool, multi- intergenerational world title match uh, as two generations collide and we have this this cool moment for Dusty, Challenger for the NWA title. And, like, Dusty comes out in his... Tr- Fair enough, he did it the week before as well, but it's cooler here for the title match, where he comes out in his trunks and the boots and he's in his old school wrestling gear and he looks like the... Dusty Rhodes of old, and he actually shows up for this match, and they make it about Vince goddamn
1: Russo. There was, <laughs> there was a very funny moment to me in this match where they were brawling out on the outside, and Dusty like, laid AJ out, and then just sat down for a straight minute. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, yeah, take a fucking breath, son. Because he's already bleeding at that stage, and they're brawling into the crowd, and he's just like, I'm just gonna chill out here for a minute. You know what this had the energy of? Vince Russo showing up drunk to his son's recital. Mm. <laughs> He's like, i hey, you got this, man? I'm so, I'm so happy for you." <laughs> but like to go back to the earlier points about the booking and stuff. It's like, do you really think Dutch Mantel was like, "You know what? We got to get this Dusty OJ Styles match and make it all about Vince Russo." <laughs> um, no, I don't think he would have I don't do you think Jarrett or Damore or
2: like, the only person making this about Vince Russo could possibly come from is Vince Glenn Russo. Glenn
1: Gilberti. <laughs> Disco and Vince Russo. Yeah. There was one drunk Russo spot in here that I really liked, uh. and it was um, a really great spot where Russo goes to help Styles leverage the figure four, but falls down like a drunk asshole. So AJ just does it himself and wins without Russo's help. Yeah, I like AJ still won as a heel, but he did it with his own heel shit and didn't rely on his dad. Yeah, Dusty did get a
2: visual submission over AJ in the figure four, but the, the ref was distracted.
1: Yeah, all in all, I didn't, like, hate this match, but uh, I didn't love it either.
2: I did, like, Mike Taney and Don West were very good. I did enjoy Mike Taney explaining the history of Dusty's figure four and how, like, this, this these are the big matches he's won with the figure four and this is why this is a big move and he's locked it in and he's going to beat AJ with the move. Uh, it really does help when you have somebody like Tenay who who legitimately knows wrestling history. He doesn't have to fake it. He doesn't have to like recite a, a, a Wikipedia page like I think you see a, a lot of announcers do. It's like, "Oh, I read these facts off Wikipedia." Whereas like Mike Tanae like lives pro wrestling for pro wrestling history. So when he gets somebody like Dusty in there in this kind of match, he he can really add to the call with with adding the historical context of Dusty challenging for this belt and and the moves he uses. And I think that's really neat. Mhm. As opposed to weird subtle heel
1: Don West this month, it yeah, was an interesting choice. Um, I didn't really notice it that much to be honest, but then you like you told me about it, I was like, oh yeah, that did happen. Like he's he's doing a thing where
2: where the month uh, the week before he's like rooting for Russo, he, he's like seeing Russo's point of view, he's seeing Don Callis's point of view, so it's clearly like a, a little edict. It's like. Uh, side with the heels a little more often don please
1: yeah the same don west who was up and screaming on top of the announce table when amazing red was getting his big win but it's like
2: yeah we need you to be a little heelish yeah the same don west who's like defining trait is his utter wholesomeness it's like no well all
1: right i think you overplayed don west wholesomeness at points my man was still horny as fuck in some of those early shows wholesomely horny no, there was definitely no wholesomeness to that horniness.
2: They do seem to drop the Don West stuff by the end of the month, but yeah, the first couple shows of the month, there is some very, like, yeah, it, it's it, he does it often enough that it's noticeable, that it's like, oh, he's leaning toward the heels now, isn't he? Yeah. For reasons passing comprehension. So after the match, Styles and co. attack Dusty, security tried to stop them, Russo is the one that cuts off security.
1: <laughs> Russo rules, I'm sorry.
2: There's a, a, a much bigger Russo ass-kicking segment on the next show, which we'll talk about. I never want to see him, like, book anything, but I really don't mind him as a character on the show. Do you like his, his taste in ice hockey jerseys? Uh, yeah, actually, I thought it was pretty cool. Can you name the two teams he wore
1: jerseys of this month? <laughs> no, I did notice... Okay, I, I remember that the beanie had, like, a buffalo on it. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice the beanie. Oh, I didn't. I only noticed that whatever beanie he wore while he was drunk had a buffalo on it. Uh. I, I I couldn't name you any of the teams. I don't know any teams. I know that the the jersey that he wore in the second one was like a blue and black and white number that I thought was pretty cool looking, but I didn't. I couldn't. Could do the team.
2: Uh, he wore a a New Jersey Devils jersey. Makes sense. Then he wore a Grizzlies jersey.
1: Ah. So there you go. I don't know either of these teams. <laughs> Not a big fan of the New Jersey Devils. Ah, uh, yeah,
2: uh, no. This is the only hockey team you know the Calgary
1: Hitmen? No, I know uh the oh fuck um the blackhawks sure chicago that's the thing right yeah chicago <laughs> who's john's team they always talk about it and are very upset <laughs> uh kings isn't it yeah kings. kings. and there's the one that's really big in las vegas because like it was like the first sport they got <laughs> the ducks They're no not vegas. <laughs> um it's like the it's like the knights or something right golden knights golden something. golden
2: knights is basketball is it no, those Golden Warriors.
1: Yeah, that's, that's Golden Warriors.
2: American I'm sports.
1: Sure oh, Golden no. Golden Vegas Golden Knights ice hockey team. Fuck
2: you. I've been to one hockey game. It was the Houston Aeros against the Iowa Chops. It wasn't even NHL. It was the whatever the division below that is called.
1: Hey, uh, Garrett. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The Golden Knights just lost to the Kings. Shout out. Woo. Oh, good for them. <laughs> and then they they beat the Sharks four one.
2: Very much invested in these NHL results.
1: Now they're, they're facing the coyotes.
2: I did watch like five minutes of the uh, Olympic hockey during the Winter Olympics. Mm. Shout out to Finland who won it.
1: Uh, I was going to ask how you did in the
2: in the Winter Olympics. We we don't have Winter Olympics. We don't do winter sports in this country.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm, I live in Australia and we still competed. We don't have winter sports in this country. Did you not even compete, you cowards? No we had a
2: couple where we had people sent over, but like we have no open house, and so we pay no attention to it whatsoever.
1: I want to see how we did. USA. USA. There you go. Great Britain. That's you, right? I will fight you. (laughs) Come on. You won the women's curling. Come on. I knew we won something. We won one gold and I was like, wow. What was it in? We won 19 Winter Olympic gold medals total. (laughs) We got a bronze in snowboarding. Hell yeah. We got two silvers, one in the skeleton and one in the snowboarding. And we won freestyle skiing. Good for you. Be jealous. Big fan of women's freestyle skiing. Uh, I am when Chikara Anthony takes the gold.
2: I thought she said Chikara Anthony there. I was like, is she named after the wrestling
1: company? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, good work. (laughs) Well done to Australia's winter Olympic team. Yeah, we got four medals more than Ireland. So
2: Styles and his pals attacked Dusty. AMW tried to make the save. They were taken out, but Jarrett then actually made the save. He struck everybody with steel chairs. All of them put their hands up except for Ekmo, who took it straight on the skull. Gotta love it. And then they set up Dusty and AMW versus Russo, Ekmo, and Siaki for the following week.
1: Well, didn't they also do the thing where Jarrett, like, considered hitting Dusty with it for a second? Mm. No,
2: they're, they're pals. They're friends.
1: Chose better
2: of it. And Vince Russo was like, you
1: stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> you stupid son of a bitch. For a whole year, we've been trying to make pals again. And you
2: keep <laughs> It's not me. true at
1: all. It's blatant lies from Vince Russo. To be fair,
2: it did start like that. If you remember, Russo did help him win the NWA title in the first place. Mm. Then helped him retain the belt a couple times. So he did help him out a few times before eventually he tried to ruin his life.
1: Yeah, He did help him when he was dressed as a KKK member.
2: Yes, that is a thing that happened.
1: And, like, not even a joke. Like, that was the point.
2: <laughs> so we split off in multiple directions here as Styles is done with Dusty. We begin building toward Jarrett and Styles and we have more Jarrett and Russo drama and we have other stuff to talk about, including NWT and a baby number 66, October 15, 2003. The show opens with Mike Tiney and Don West informing us that an incident happened in Japan between Jeff Jarrett and Hulk Hogan.
1: This ruled. I loved all of this. I thought the angle was really cool,
2: and I loved the recap of the Chono match. So they, they, we opened the show where Mike and Don West, are holding the newspapers of the Japanese coverage of Hogan's return to Japan.
1: And I think they were like... This is only, like, three newspapers of, like, seven that covered it. And I was
2: like, that's such a good little touch. Yeah, and they're like, these are the mainstream newspapers in Japan covering Hulk Hogan's big return. They're
1: the the photos in the newspaper, they zoom in on the photos. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you think a New Japan-ran Jarrett Hogan NWA title match would have done way bigger numbers than a TNA one? No. You don't? Do you think it, Do you think anybody
2: in Japan knows who Jeff Jarrett is? Probably? No. I think he probably could have gotten
1: away with it. I think it would have done bigger than in
2: the US, probably. well, It would have done, like, basic New Japan show numbers, which is big, or, or like, Hogan doing a New Japan date numbers, which is probably bigger than Hogan doing a TNA date numbers. But also, like, nobody in Japan would give a single shit about that match. I don't know. I saw the newspapers, go Like, Hogan wrestling a big Japanese star, like, wrestling Chono for the first time, that's a big deal. Hogan wrestling Jeff Jarrett in Japan? Nobody would care. Alright, that's Bullet Club's Jeff Jarrett to you, mate. There's also uh, a note in the Observer, it's like, none of the reporters actually knew who Jeff Jarrett was when he did the angle where he attacked him backstage. <laughs> okay, that's really funny, I take it back now.
1: <laughs> you know what's funny? Like this, the, the Jarrett attacking Hogan stuff just reminded me so much of Chris Jericho's New Japan stuff. <laughs> mm. Where he'd show up and beat up Naito at like, a, a contract signing or whatever. Uh, ripping off Jeff Jarrett, always. I was gonna say, like, Jarrett and Jericho have very similar auras in New Japan.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I do like that. So they're showing all the, the this newspaper coverage, and like there's the big photos of Hogan everywhere, and then like tucked in a tiny corner is a little photo
1: of the Jeff Jarrett attack, and they're like, oh look at this one too. We're in the paper. <laughs> Yeah, they would have done big numbers.
2: So, yeah, they they, they tell us about this incident. They show us the, 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 the newspapers and say that they're going to show us the footage later tonight, which they do, which they show the footage of Hogan beating Chono with the Axe Bomber Lariat. They show, like, the, the, the sold-out Tokyo Dome, all 55,000 people, according to Jimmy Hart. Mm. Do you
1: think, like, they sent Borash with him to go, like, get the footage? And all these Japanese news people were like, who the hell is this guy?
2: <laughs> this Jerry Borash fellow.
1: Yeah, well, and why did he show up just for the Hogan post-match?
2: <laughs> just filming. I like the idea of JB just globe trotting with Jeff to shoot shit. I don't know if JB was there, I, I, maybe they just shot it themselves, and maybe it was just the regular New Japan backstage to camera, but still.
1: I choose to believe so, because Jeremy Borash has ring-announced the Tokyo Dome you know? For
2: multiple years.
1: Yeah, so... Take it back! I think I think he was there.
2: He was making connections, or just that was TNA had a working relationship with New Japan. He was making
1: connections. <laughs> God damn! Why we, why do you take everything from me? <laughs> So,
2: today and West later in the show, they show us that footage of the match, and then they, they post-match uh, angle where Hulk Hogan is backstage talking to reporters, and he's uh, talking about how he's unfinished business in New Japan, and he also has unfinished business in the United States, because he has never, Liam, been NWA world champion.
1: I think Hogan winning the NWA title would have been pretty neat, but also, I imagine there's a lot of people who are like, no. <laughs> no. That is not allowed. Do you think like Jerry Briscoe or Jack Briscoe or or Harley Race or Dory Funk is just like, no. I like to imagine if you had have tweeted out, Hulk Hogan should have been NWA champion. People would have been in your quote tweets going, what? Clap emoji, clap emoji. Do you even watch clap emoji? All the Puro nerds would have been jumping all over me. So in the middle of Hogan's speech about how he
2: wants to become NWA champion, Jeff Jarrett kicks the door down, bursts into the room, <laughs> smashes Hogan over the head with a guitar, lays in some punches before Chono runs him off, and Hogan's laying there, bleeding in a mess in a heap, with the uh, the the Konami logo behind him. The, uh, symbolism for me, and how much money I, I spent on that company. Ah, yes, you were lying in the heap for Konami, because they make the, the Yu-Gi-Oh! games, don't they?
1: Yes, they own Yu-Gi-Oh! Um... Uh, Sorry, I'll do a second version of that joke. Symbolism for Hideo Kojima getting kicked out of his uh, Metal Gear. Yeah, because Jared is Konami and Hogan is Kojima. (laughs) I like to imagine that it was just, like, Hogan uttering the words NWA that summoned Jeff Jarrett to Japan. He just appeared there. He was, like, sitting down reading the newspaper in, in in
2: Hendersonville, Tennessee, sitting out in the lake, being like, oh, I'm having a nice day. Then Hulk Hogan says the words NWA and he just appears outside the door with guitar in hand.
1: Yeah, ready to go. In a completely different,
2: and his all white outfit. <laughs> To slap Hogan with the guitar, laying some punches, Hogan bleeding there, lying there. He, he's doing the, oh, you thought you could come to TNA, I brought TNA to you line that you will hear a lot in TNA history. I really liked this segment. I thought it was really good. Yeah, it was a good angle, I think, to jumpstart the entire uh, the, the entire feud between Hogan and Jarrett. It only lasts a week because the match is off by the next week. But it, I think it's it's a good start. Mm. I wish it had have paid off in an actual match. What do I? I don't know, and like honestly, take out the dumbass bash at the beach stuff. This is just the angle. Hogan mentions that he wants to come to TNA to become NWA champion. Jarrett goes to Japan to beat the shit out of him. Hogan comes back to the, the TNA to get revenge. There's your. It's a simple, straightforward. You have a title match. You don't have to build it off the work shoot bullshit. You don't have to build it off stuff that people don't even remember or maybe don't even know about in the first place. You just tell a simple, straightforward pro wrestling angle. this company always over like just it's pro wrestling. You don't need to shoot all the time. You don't need to base things off backstage politics. You can just tell a good simple story.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> shoot, shoot, shoot. Uh, Do you want me to shoot? (laughs) Pew, pew. Uh, I think um, uh, Hulk Hogan isn't worth the hassle. (laughs) It is interesting to see uh, New Japan footage on TNA television for the first time. Not the last.
2: Certainly not the last. Over multiple iterations between TNA and New Japan, their relationship changes multiple times through the years in ways we'll cover, I think, extensively as the show goes on.
1: Honestly, has there been a more on-and-off friendship in wrestling than TNA and New Japan Pro Wrestling? Yeah, Impact and New Japan back together again. Just had the Bullet Club break up on Impact. Yeah, you're getting some some bigger New Japan angles on Impact. Mm, It's
2: wild to see how that relationship... And this is the start of it. This is the first time TNA and New Japan came together to work together in any capacity. Uh, uh, World Japan or Wrestle Japan or whatever the hell it was called. Absolutely uh, shaking mm. right now. They're like, oh no, we we got that sick Kenzo Suzuki against Perry Saturn match. No, we, we, we'll get nothing now? I was really hoping for Kenzo Suzuki Rick Steiner at some point. With his cool pants. Mm. God, those pants are cool. So Mike today is in the ring. He talks about what, what we just watched with, with Jeff Jarrett attacking Hogan. He talks about how there was an announced attendance of 47,000 in the Tokyo Dome.
1: I like that Tanae's like, I will not bow to this.
2: I will maintain my credibility by making it entirely clear. It is an announced attendance and not the actual attendance. Before Jeff Jarrett comes out to talk about what he did, the crowd's chanting Hogan all through his promo, he does the usual, instead of Hogan...
1: And they're chanting some anti-Hogan stuff as well. It's
2: it's predominantly Hogan. There is persistent Hogan chants over his entire promo, and then there's a we-want-Hogan chant later, to which some of the crowd, a smaller portion of the crowd, respond, no, we don't. Don't you call the heel section that. (laughs) Listen, we want that heel section out. Don't you disrespect AMW. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a new heel section. Oh, we got to talk about the Heel Section being represented at AEW. Oh, the the Heel Section sign, the heelsection.com sign, which may just be a different podcast, but it was in Nashville, so it's it's canon. That was the
1: Heel Section. And they were in, like, the top right-hand, the bottom right-hand corner of the screen, too. I was like, oh my god, they even got the same section. They were in more or less the heel section section. So yeah, the, 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 there's
2: canon that the heel section from 2003 TNA reemerged for AEW Dynamite last week.
1: Uh, you should have seen the reaction I had when I saw that.
2: <laughs> I missed it, I didn't see the sign, and you pointed it out, and I had to go back and
1: find it. Uh, I was truly appalled. <laughs> I was watching that Dynamite with someone and they had to explain the heel section to them because I was so overcome with emotion at the heel section. Side. They should have
2: sent Alex Marvez out there to have a talking to with the heel section.
1: There should have been some more NWA and crossover on that show.
2: Hey, CM Punk did the dog collar match, which was a direct callback to the dog collar match he did with against the New Church.
1: Ah, oh, and not to mention the dog club match on this show re- exactly referencing the Roddy Piper Valentine stuff. It's it's pretty insane now. There's always something that's relating to current day wrestling from NWATNA. You see, NWATNA
2: is the true genesis. That's the reason they were using the name genesis. It's the genesis of all uh. the ideas in pro wrestling. They all actually came from NWATNA. Mm. And like, Mercedes Martinez actually wrestled on that show and uh, in, in in Nashville for AEW. And, and yeah, she had a, a match in the asylum. She, was, she had the match where Desire broke her back.
1: Oh, yes, I remember that.
2: I don't think we ever mentioned who Desire's opponent was then. It was Mercedes Martinez. Yeah, we mentioned that on the the watch through, I think. Mm. Jarrett's doing his promo. Mike Dene brings up the Bash at the Beach thing, which, again, they just call Florida, I believe. And Jarrett loses his shit. He's like, no, don't you mention that, Mike Dene. I told you never to mention that until Vince Russo tackles Jeff Jarrett from behind. Yeah, this is the business he had to settle. Because there there was a match earlier in the show that was meant to be Russo uh, teaming with Siaki and ECMO against AMW and Dusty, but Russo pulled out of that match, replaced himself with Legend, because he had business to settle, and that business is with Jeff Jarrett.
1: So, this is an interesting segment, because, A, this is full return of Stone Cold Jeff Jarrett, Mm. like, honestly, maybe the most Stone Cold Jeff Jarrett has ever been, but... I think it's meant to put sympathy on Vince Russo because of how brutal Jeff is here and because Jeff is going heel, but I couldn't bring myself to feel sympathetic for Vince Russo.
2: It's a, it's a weird one because like Russo is still a heel. He's still attacking him for no reason. He's still blindsided. He does kick his ass for a while. He beats the shit out of Jeff Jarrett for a minute or two before Jeff Jarrett turns the tide. And then, yeah, as mentioned, Jeff Jarrett just turns turns it around and just relentlessly beats the heck out of Russo, hits him with a garbage can, just brawls around the building, beats the living shit out of him.
1: Was he, like, um, restrained to that fence? Because I think he was just, like, hanging there while while uh, Jeff was just laying in these giant shots on yeah, him. Yeah, and Jeff just beat the shit out of him, beat the
2: shit out of him, and beat the shit out of him. And, and you're right, even, like, and like, Don West again was doing, like, subtle heel stuff, and he's like,
1: oh, maybe this is, is too far. No, was he cheerleading this? Was he was, like... What was Don's reaction to this? Don was saying that it was too much, and Taneo was going, well, Russo's started." Yeah, yeah, so he was
2: siding subtly with Russo the heel.
1: But maybe Russo's
2: the babyface here? Because Styles
1: is kind of a babyface here. Because, like, the way he was being, like, sold was, like... Even just having Don be like, ugh, it, it made you feel like you should be feeling sympathy. I just think this Jarrett heel stuff is all very muddled at this point.
2: That's funny. Again, going back to the last couple of months, we were talking about how like, oh, for once there's defined heels and babyfaces. There's nobody on this show who I don't know whether I'm supposed to boo or cheer. And that goes away this month, I'll tell you that for There's sure. a ton of people this month who aren't defined heels or babyfaces, including this segment where neither Jarrett nor Russo are defined heels or babyfaces in this moment. And like... Jarrett's doing a heel promo on Hogan, so Jarrett's kind of a heel, but, like, Vince Russo is obviously still a heel. He never turned. Even in, in this show, he's, like, ducking out of a match against Dusty to do this brawl against Jarrett, so he's he's even, like, kind of heelishly escaping get his, getting his comeuppance from Dusty as well. So... I don't know. We're not meant to like anybody, I think, is
1: the the, the real message. The the NWTNA formula.
2: Eventually, Styles, Siaki, and Ekmo kind of, they don't really make the save. They're just going kind to of come out and Jared leaves. Mm-hmm. So as the show is going off the air, we are after our main event on NWA TNA baby number 66. Jimmy Hart is on the phone and he's talking about how Hulk Hogan's coming to TNA, brother, and he's armed and dangerous and he's going to take over and he's going to win the title. And then Jarrett comes out and he's like, no, no, I'm focused on AJ next week. I'm going to win the, the NWA world title. This is the first like actual mention that Hogan is on his way to TNA and AJ comes out, brawls with Jarrett as Dusty looks on. That's your go home angle for the world title
1: match. I like the cool guy who was wearing a Sting mask in the background of this segment. Was it Sting? It might have been. You
2: can never discount a person being, wearing a Sting mask as being <laughs> he Sting. He did grab a
1: child's face
2: and pull it back at one point. I was like, this guy's, this guy's getting very rough. Is that a thing Sting does? Does he assault children? We'll have to wait until the Paparazzi Productions <laughs> uh, segments come out. So Jimmy Hart announces Hogan's coming to TNA, and then that takes us to NWA TNA paper number 67, October 22nd, main evented by... AJ Styles versus Jeff Jarrett for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. It was all right. I didn't like this match. I thought they had a very good match earlier in the year when Styles challenged Jarrett for the title. I thought I I liked that match a lot. I thought it was it was a good version of the Jarrett formula. I think like fair enough I knew in hindsight that AJ's losing the belt here, but I think literally everybody watching the show knows that AJ's dropping the title to Jarrett here to set up the Hogan stuff, so that doesn't help. If it makes you feel better, I'm clueless, and I knew that he was dropping the belt here. Yeah. So I think it really, really doesn't help that it's clear as day AJ's dropping the belt. They're doing the double turn that Jarrett goes heels. so Jarrett tries to hit it in the middle of the chair, AJ kicks out, Jarrett gets a belt shot, then Jarrett wins the belt with a belt shot, Calus celebrates with Jarrett, Calus and Watson rings out. Actually, a weird thing! Earlier in the show, literally the match before this, there was a match between AMW and The Naturals. Where The Naturals cheated to win, Eric Watts came out and restarted the match, AMW won. The very next match, Eric Watts is standing at ringside, watching Jeff Jarrett strike AJ Styles with the NWA world title, pin him, become champion, and he doesn't restart the match. (laughs) Garrett, you're forgetting one key component here. That's his best friend. Ah, the corrupt Eric Watts! How, I, I didn't think Eric Wasp could betray me like this. It's
1: nepo- nepotism. That's his best friend. He's
2: just letting his best friend do whatever he wants so he could become NWA champion again.
1: If you cheated to win the NWA title, Garrett, I wouldn't restart the match.
2: Even if I was associating myself with your mortal enemy while doing it? I
1: wouldn't restart
2: the match. Because <laughs> he is associating himself with Don Callis while doing this. He's celebrating with Don. I wouldn't restart the match.
1: Even if you were associating yourself with the guy who said that my bit about not reviewing the match wasn't funny, I <laughs> I would not restart the match. You're
2: one mortal enemy in life. Mm-hmm. So the, the story in this show is that AJ didn't want help from Russo, Siaki, or Ekmo. Russo's not here. Russo was taken out by Jarrett. So Ekmo, Siaki, or like, AJ doesn't want to talk to us, and AJ's like, stay backstage. Siaki does run out to try and interfere, but Dusty runs him off. And yeah, as mentioned, Jarrett, with a belt shot, with fully cementing his heel turn,
1: becomes your new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. So I think a point we, we both differed on here is that I thought this still carried the gravitas of an NWA TNA uh, title match, where I think you felt it didn't. No, I,
2: I, I think part of that is I think the build to AJ and Jarrett had too much to do with other people. Like, Jarrett was feuding with Dusty, Jarrett was feuding with Hogan, Jarrett was feuding with Russo, but Styles was, like, the fourth most important person in Jarrett's month here, even though he's building three weeks to a match between Styles and Jarrett. So I just didn't think it felt important.
1: Yeah. But I, I I think it still did carry that weight with me. I'm sorry about the crickets. I have to open up this window. Yeah,
2: I guess it adds ambiance.
1: Yeah, um, this is the after dark portion of the podcast. With added cricket noises. Yeah. Hope you like that. Ooh, sultry.
2: So earlier in the show, Jimmy Hart comes out and he's talking about how Hulk Hogan's has signed with TNA, and the crowd go like "woo," and he's like, "No, no, wait, wait, wait." Now the crowd go, "Wait, what?" Because <laughs> the the way this promo set up, he, this is the promo where he's announcing that Hogan is getting knee surgery and the ban for Glory is postponed. After they announced Bound for Glory, they promoted Bound for Glory, and now they're like Bound for Glory is postponed. They spent two weeks promoting Bound for Glory, and then Jimmy Hart comes out and he says like, "I want to tell you that that that." Hulk Hogan has signed with TNA. Every, even every impression I do, it just ends up like Rick or Morty. <laughs> it's Morty. It just veers toward Rick or <laughs> Morty. Ah, <right>. oh, jeez, <laughs> Jimmy Hart as Morty.
1: Ah, oh, jeez. Ah, oh, jeez, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs>
2: So, yeah, Jimmy Hart comes out, and he, he just says, like, offhand, like, Hulk Hogan has signed with TNA! And the crowd goes like, whoa, well, whoa, whoa! And he, he's like, oh, no. that Because that he didn't say it as, like, a big pronouncement. It's like, Hulk Hogan has signed with... he's like, no, Hulk Hogan signed with TNA. And the crowd is like, oh, well, she, that's a thing we should cheer for. And Mike Today's like, oh, hell yeah, that's the news we wanted to hear. And Jimmy Hart's kind of, like, taken off guard, because clearly he didn't want to emphasize that point in his promo, given the next point in his promo, which is that he is, needs knee surgery, the November 30th Bound for Glory Pay-per-view has been postponed.
1: I mean, we're already talking about all this. Yeah, took the air out of the crowd a little bit there.
2: I did like how Dave Meltzer reported that 37,000 people were in the Tokyo Dome for Hogan's match. Mike Tanay announced that a a, a, an announced attendance was 47,000. Jimmy Hart has increased the number to 55,000 people on this show.
1: Yeah, I think fifty-five thousand is like the the big kayfabe complete sold out Tokyo Dome number.
2: So fifty-five thousand people in the dome
1: for a building that I'm pretty sure does not hold fifty-five thousand people for a wrestling event. Uh, doesn't it hold like thirty-five tops? I think it's like around that thirty-seven mark. Mm. So yeah, no, <laughs> this did not do that. So <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, uh, Jimmy Hart announces that Hogan is out of Bound for Glory and that, that the match is postponed, but it will definitely still happen. Even though So Jarrett comes out uh, after Jimmy Hart mentions Bash to the Beach. Jarrett's pissed. He's real mad. He gets in Jimmy Hart's face. He pushes Jimmy Hart over. He gets a a leather strap and he just straps the living shit out of Jimmy Hart.
1: Unfortunately because of jimmy's years and years and years of tanning it didn't really show no,
2: up no and even like we'll talk about the, the segment at the end of the show where he, he's like turning around to show his back it's like you can see it he's been whipped but it's not you have, you, have, you have to like squint your eyes and really like focus on the, the whips on jimmy hart's back all right if i was a worker i'm gigging that back before that primer i don't think i'd ever gig my back I would gig my back
1: for that promo. Because it was a great promo that he cut, too. Yeah,
2: so Jarrett beats the living hell out of him, and then at the end of the show, after Jarrett wins the world title, Jimmy Hart appears on the screen backstage with Scott Hudson, where he does this big Jimmy Hart promo where he's like, "'You beat the hell out of me, well, I'm gonna make you pay!
1: "'I'm gonna have my revenge!' Oh, jeez, Rick. I really like, he's like, thank you for waking me up, stuff. And it was like, it was so good. I was Dixie there, but thank you for waking me up. It was really good. I enjoyed it. All of your impressions veer toward Dixie, all of mine veer toward Morty. Yeah. We were talking about it on the watch along, but it's like, it's interesting that I feel people don't have this perception of Jimmy Hart anymore. That he can be, like, this guy. Like, people are just like, oh, WWF uh, guy with the megaphone. Like, funny comedy guy. Yeah, because, like, myself included,
2: wouldn't have seen him as, like, an actual real manager and a dude who's a legit great promo. So to to see a little glimpse of it here where he he does cut this fiery promo about how he's going to get revenge for Jeff Jarrett and he's managed so many people through his career and he has this long list, this Rolodex of people he can call on to get revenge on Jeff Jarrett and one of them is going (laughs) to come next
1: week. You know, for two people who have watched very little territory stuff, we always gravitate to the territory stuff on the show. Well, you see, it's mostly because... The rest of it is like Vince Russo
2: Crash TV, which isn't particularly interesting. So when you get someone like Jimmy Hart doing an actual pro wrestling promo, like a legit just good pro wrestling promo where he got his ass kicked and he's going to try and get revenge, which is like the the very basic pro wrestling story. Like the the 101 story is heel beats up, babyface, babyface wants revenge. That's like the basic premise of every pro wrestling story. So when you just break it down to that very simple quality of Jimmy Hart, who is a very good promo, having a re to cut this fiery passionate promo on Jeff Jarrett it's, it's so much better than all of the other shite where they're trying to tell these big elaborate stories about worked shoots or, or or like all this other nonsense with comedy and skits and all that other shite that Vince Russo insists pro wrestling needs instead of simple relatable stories of revenge and all that fun stuff that pro wrestling is actually supposed to be so that's I, I think the, the, the reason we gravitate toward it is because it's just better pro wrestling
1: mm-hmm.
2: so Jimmy Hart does bring multiple people to the October 29 29- tna pay-per-view NWTN pay-per-view number 68 where he's he's getting multiple people in but before that aj styles
1: and jeff jarrett have a confrontation first thing that happens is like we get the reveal of the limo and some guy just some dude yeah the limo driver it's just some guy just hanging out and jimmy's like to the limo driver
2: it's like hey should i reveal who's in the limo and J- J- jimmy's like no i'm not going <laughs> to it's
1: like all right fair and enough. and the limo driver's like hey whatever you want mr hart yeah and then he just kind of hangs out in the background hmm whole show but yeah we got this jared thing he's coming out he's like oh look at me i'm a cool heel champion <laughs> AJ is like oh I'm, I'm a baby face now and then because Jar- aj is now babyface, he gets like quite frankly throwing the fuck out of the heavyweight division
2: by the red shirts so jared's doing this big promo he's like talking about all he's achieved in tna and how great he is and he has this letter from a fan which i, I transcribed the letter in its entirety of course you did because we need to, to, to verify the veracity of this letter, whether or not it's actually real. Because, because Jeff Jarrett claims this letter was emailed to him. So the letter says, Dear Jeff, I'm alone.
1: Uh, 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 uh. sorry, this is from someone in New Jersey. You must read this in a New Jersey accent. Dear Jeff, I'm a long time fan who's <laughs> watched every, I literally just spit <laughs> every single episode of TNA on pay-per-view.
2: And I wanted to take this chance to send you an email thanking you for everything you have done for wrestling fans in the country. Congratulations <laughs> for winning back the belt that was rightfully yours all You're along. Joey Wheeler! <laughs> <laughs> the NWA World Heavyweight title is the most prestigious title in the wrestling business and the belt is in the right hands, with you as champion, a (laughs) Yuki! I also want to thank you for doing yourself and the entire wrestling world a favor by getting rid of Vince Russo the way you did. He is really a cancer to the wrestling business, and if you were given a chance, he would have killed TNA. And finally, thanks for going to Japan to take care of Hulk Hogan before he had a chance to come to TNA. As soon as I heard rumors that Hulk Hogan was coming to TNA, a bit. I had a sick feeling in my stomach. <laughs> stomach. <laughs> and thankfully, you went to Japan and made sure you'd never step foot in a TNA ring. I will continue to watch every week. Hopefully, Jimmy Hart won't stick his nose in your business again. I can never get tired of you seeing you give that guy oh. a beating like the one you gave him last week. The coffee. Thanks again, champ. Joey from New Jersey.
1: Holy shit! It was Joey.
2: Joey last name Wheeler. I figured it was Joey last name Janella from New Jersey, but you know what? We could we could say it's, it's Annie Joey from New Jersey.
1: After, the, after that reading, it was Joey fucking Joey Wheeler. <laughs> is Joey Wheeler from Holy New Jersey? Oh shit! He's got like a Brooklyn accent, but you sounded exactly like him. Mm. There you go. Clearly, <laughs> clearly. Hey Yu Gi Oh, if you're recasting Joey Wheeler, I'm right here. Hey Yu Gi Oh, the entire just entity that is Yu Gi Oh. We've already talked um, so pleasantly about Konami. I'm sure they will be all for it. So Jeff Jarrett reads that letter and then
2: AJ Styles comes out. AJ looking like the jerk boyfriend from a rom-com in 2003. Oh, just looked like shit. He had his hair like spiked up. He's trying to look cool. He's the most 2003 looking man. Yeah, he's got to get that X-Division hair again. (laughs) Legitimately, I think that's what they're going for. So Jarrett's like, hey, why don't you go back to the X-Division? Why is he Joey
1: now? Everybody is either Morty or Joey Wheeler. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, I hate it when they use the X-Division as, like, a punishment. and
2: I think this is the first time they've really done it, where it's just like, oh, you go back to play with your flippy boys over the X-Division. You're not heavyweight. No, because
1: they did, they did that when, when AJ first went to the, like, main division. They're like, you're just an X-Division guy. It's like, I'm sorry. I'm just the best part of the show. Sorry. Yeah, this dude is NWA world champion. He beat Dusty Rhodes. He beat frickin' Jerry
2: Lynn, he beat Frankie Kazarian, he beat Raven, he beat... He
1: beat you!
2: <laughs> he beat Jeff Jarrett for the title! He beat all of these people, and you're still burying him, Was not on the level of the heavyweights, because he's small.
1: He beat you!
2: So yeah, the the Jared the Styles goes to take out Jared, but the red shirts, as mentioned, literally drag him out of the heavyweight
1: division. This was a terrible image. This made him look like such a fucking geek.
2: And the the, the weird thing is, he doesn't go back to the X division yet because the 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 idea here is is he is going to go back to the X division to to stock back up the X division and be like, the, you know what, good. <laughs>
1: I'm glad.
2: And yeah, he's meant to be like the marquee face of the X Division, but he doesn't really return to the X Division until the summer of 2004. So like, he still has a good like six, seven, eight months in the heavyweight division before he goes back to the X Division.
1: Just as some sort of jerk off.
2: Uh, so yeah, then we had the our main event where, where Jimmy Hart had not one but two people because in the middle of the show, TNA went full WCW Monday Nitro where it's like there's a mystery man in a limo and a mystery man in a Hummer.
1: They went to some dealership and the dealership was like, here, two for one.
2: Again, if you listen to our friends the Days of Thunder, you will be very intimately familiar with WCW's penchant for introducing mystery hummers. And who is in the mystery hummer? It's me. So we had our main event. The man in the mystery limo, Liam, was Hacksaw Jim Duggan.
1: A match you loved.
2: Listen, I think Mike today worked me into a shoot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I thought it was like the pumpkin for sure. I was like, Garrett saw the pumpkin shot and was like, three stars a couple days before Halloween he
2: did hit him with a pumpkin so I, I do very much approve of that but like Mike today was just going batshit crazy on commentary talking about like, this is a, a, a Jim Duggan unlike anything we've ever seen and he, like, he did work with intensity and energy that I, I don't think we've seen from Jim Duggan in a long time <laughs> at this period so like it was cool to see him go out there and be like fully fired up beating jarrett's ass hitting him with a pumpkin and the match was only like three minutes long so you can't really go too bad with a Jared duggan match it was shorter than the duggan against mike sanders match that i did call the worst match in tina history
1: there you go full circle so
2: jim duggan has redeemed himself by having a shorter brisker more high energy
1: match against jeff jarrett we did get a taste of that old jim duggan spirit mm. that he wasn't scared <laughs> that his kids begged him not to do this match with Jeff Jarrett, but he said he
2: had to do it. Uh Saddam Hussein couldn't stop Jim Duggan from getting this match against Jeff If people haven't
1: listened to the older episode, that quote is going to seem so strange out of context. <laughs> My favorite bit of this was Don West saying something along the lines of, how can you boo America? And I was like, very easily. And so the man in the mystery,
2: Hummerlium, was Rick Steiner. <gasps> Oh, uh, the crowd was into this I was into this I was going "Oh, oh, oh, oh. dog face gremlin you were barking
1: yeah I was like brawn breaker So I,
2: I couldn't tell whether or not they had a real match
1: yeah it rang the bell it's a real match so yeah they
2: they, do, they work for a couple of minutes then the ref is bumped then Jared hits him with a guitar and the bell rings I don't know who calls for the bell because the ref was just bumped but Steiner's obviously it
1: was, it was on the outside. He saw it on the outside. He called
2: it. So Je- uh, Steiner's obviously like, "I'm not losing." Or Jim is like, "I'm losing." Speaking of not losing, one of the people asked to be in this segment was Honky Tonk Man, who was asked to appear on the, this show to put over Jeff Jarrett, but turned it down.
1: He didn't. He's like, "I'm the guitar guy. <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm not not being buried by this dude stealing my gimmick."
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And Jarrett defeats Duggan, defeats Steiner by D. Well, actually, no. Technically, he loses to Steiner by DQ because he hit him with a guitar. And then Jimmy Hart comes back out and is like, "You may have dealt with them, but next week, Jeff Jarrett, you'll be facing Sting." I mean, really he couldn't get Sting this week. <laughs> Listen, he only had budget for a Hummer and a limo. He couldn't get another limo, maybe a helicopter. How does Sting arrive? Do you think? He propels, obviously. Oh, yeah. He couldn't get up into the rafters. He was like,
1: "How do you get to the rafters of this building?" <laughs> yeah. He, he he propels from space. Ah, this thing is an alien? Well, actually, as I've seen from now, he has, like, some cool Cadillac thing because he picks up his son in it when he goes to wrestling. Excuse me? Well, you say he's got this guy called Darby. Oh, right, him, right, yes, sorry, he's... that son. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, when he goes to the wrestling, he always picks him up in some cool Cadillac. I like that they actually travel together. Have you seen that video? There's a wonderful video of guy who had, like, AW plates on his, like, car, and Darby and Sting... Pulled up behind him after I think it was all out. That was the most recent one. It was full gear. They pulled up like behind him in traffic at like a red light, and they saw that the guy had AEW plates. So they both ran around to each side, and they were like ah, and the guy's like ah, and he's like Sting. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, so Sting and Darby actually ride together because they're father and son. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have to go back to the house, obviously. I was going to say, how much Sting content do you think is going to be in Darby Allen's reality show that he's getting to replace uh, Cody's?
2: I hope it's all of it. I hope they legitimately pretend that he's his father.
1: <laughs> That'd be really funny.
2: Sting just playing reality show dad. So we are building two Jared and Sting next month.
1: Yeah, Bound for Glory main event. Well, no,
2: but just a regular TNA pay-per-view event.
1: Well, eventually, I mean, right? They they, they may have to Bound for Glory against each other. That's true. It? We just have to wait three years down the line. I'm looking forward to when we get out of the weekly pay-per-view era. We only have a little over a year more of it. A little under a year more of it, even. Yeah, look. We're, we're getting there. We're getting close. We're nearly the end of
2: 2003. We're running through these shows. Yeah, feels it. So that is the end of the world title scene. Let's move toward Raven and the New Church. The other thing that's going to take
1: up fucking forever.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Because like there's a lot of angles in all these shows. So the story of this month is that uh, Shane Douglas has been relieved of his new church duties. Do you want to like, run through the Shane Douglas stuff real quickly? Because that's a lot shorter. Yeah, so, so uh, at the start of the month, there's a promo before a trial lk against Slash, Finn, and Vampiro match where, where James Mitchell is just like Hey Shane Douglas, thank you. We're, we're done. You've beaten Raven for us. You've taken us air. You, we, 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 our relationship is now over.
1: Yeah, and the story of course being here that like Douglas wouldn't have had a way into TNA otherwise. So... This was his way in, and now he's in. He earned his spot, and he's going to go on to do his own stuff now. Mainly cutting promos into pairs of (laughs) So yes, Shane Douglas' new thing this month is that
2: he is trying to recruit the new franchise. He's the man who popularized the shoot interview. He's the man who popularized the triple threat match. He's the man who made the franchise a household name. So now his new thing is he's going to recruit the next generation of franchise. So he's on a recruitment mission to find his, his new protege
1: by cutting promos into titties.
2: So, yeah, the entire thing is just a pretense for him to get women to show up next to him so he can talk to their
1: boobs. I did like the payoff here on the last week, though, Mm -hmm. where um, the cameraman's like, all right, I'm going to go in for my boobie shot, and then Shane like cuts this really good promo in... To the camera about how, like, nah, I pay your bills, I dragged you off the street, you'd be filming weddings right now if it weren't for me. So, (laughs) to keep the camera on, me. And then he cuts his off-camera promo to Michael, I mean, to whoever it is. And they do, like, the little back and forth there. It's really good. I like that they obviously filmed all these in advance, because Shane Douglas had his facial hair in all of these, but then when he shows up to do the live uh, show stuff, he has a clean-shaven face. Oh, I didn't notice that. Continuity errors in TNA. But honestly, I re- again, like, I think I just like Shane Douglas <laughs> because Shane, this, all this Shane Douglas
2: stuff is great. Yeah, he's he's good in this role as like the veteran who's trying to recruit the the new generation of, of franchise. As mentioned, it's Michael Shane. They accidentally revealed the, that on the show because on the the October twenty second show, Michael Shane has a match against Christopher Daniels and Chris Saban, and they accidentally play the franchise's music before Michael Shane's
1: music. <laughs> and they, of course, they don't acknowledge it. It also reminds you how good the Shane Douglas theme music is. Mm.
2: <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's very strange that they completely young. but even like Michael Shane is talking backstage about how he's, he's been getting advice that he, he should be doing this or that or shouldn't be defending the title in this way and the announcers are, are forced to like not put it together like they, they even work it out that it's, it's one of those three men that he's scouting because he is watching he's shown in the crowd watching the X Division matches
1: uh, he does it twice
2: <laughs> like it's pretty convincing he doesn't do it for any other match <laughs> so he's very clearly he's he's recruited Michael Shane the commentators should be able to put this together but they're still like who is, who is he
1: scouting? Who's in his new franchise? I'm, I'm curious if uh, Franchise is the one who's like, change your name. <laughs> Stop telling this John Michael shit.
2: No, the only reason that they don't change the name out of like, a, a choice, it's just because WWE hired the, the Shane brothers, and, and Michael Shane was one of their names, which was trademarked, so he had to change his name to Matt Bentley. But he had it first. But he hadn't trademarked it.
1: Yeah, that's, that seems like, can't you like make a claim that you had it on TV first? I feel like
2: you could. Maybe they didn't care enough. Yeah, or WWE just have more lawyer money.
1: Well, they definitely have more lawyer money. I will say the crickets do
2: add a nice ambiance.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. And, um, sometimes when, like, I'll, I'll play uh, D&D online, I'll normally put on, like, uh, a Witcher soundtrack or something, right? But um, sometimes I just search up, like, outdoor sounds, mm. <laughs> like like, just crickets going or a light breeze or something like that, something to add the atmosphere in that way. So, NWAT, they pay number 64. Raven comes out to cut a promo about how he's going to to take out the new
2: church. He runs them off after Slash, Sin, and Vampiro are disqualified in a match against 3LK after Vampiro hits Ron Killings with a cane, which deeply confused the announcers, by the way. They're like, what's it a DQ for? It's like, he hit him with a cane in front of a referee. <laughs> Be fair...
1: Are they wrong to question this in this company?
2: There, there, there's low blows this month that happened just right in front of the referee, and the referee just doesn't do anything. There was one
1: really good one that was hidden, like just by running in and running out really quickly. Mm. So my biggest takeaway from this match was that Don West hates Three LK's theme music. Does he? Why? Because <laughs> he goes, "Thank God they broke up the Three LK debut of the song." <laughs>
2: He's not a big fan of 3LK's uh, genre of music. Yeah, he's
1: like, he's, he's like, thank God, I'm. Ho- I hope we never have to hear that ever again. And then later in the month, 3LK come out to a different song. I think he did it. Don West got rid of the song. So yeah, I, I think this one, for me, it, it kind of immediately killed Vampiro's aura because mm. like day one he has to get in there with fucking B.G. James who like does a dance in front of him and you're like. I don't know, man. It's Vampiro. Maybe just treat him with a bit of like, oh, it's Vampiro. Yeah,
2: because Vampiro has a few matches this month. He has this one and he has a match against the Gathering before he does the Raven match. And I would have just said, just don't have him wrestle. Just have him build
1: to the Raven match. Or just, or like, him my fucking malice and have him just run through yeah, have him. Just have him squash Mad Mikey or Sharkboy or something yeah i i really thought this was a bad decision to have like a guy who clearly was like i don't fear this guy at all when he was like this white hand of murder for a month mm.
2: see raven comes out runs off the, the the new church and talks about how he's gonna to, to go through the new church one at a time as his new mission to take them all out
1: i just really want to reaffirm here uh raven looks so much better like this mm. And now he's wearing the, he's got the face paint going again.
2: Ugh. And he has the, the, the dog collar around his neck, so he has that little chain added as well. Just the coolest. So he wants to get to Mitchell, and he's going to take out everybody before he can get to Mitchell. There's a note, Vampiro has rubbed some TNA agents the wrong way by offering a few too many suggestions for his character. The focus of his storyline is on Raven and Sinister minister, and the word in the locker room is that Vamp isn't content with being a supporting character.
1: I mean, fair enough. To be, I mean, it's probably hard to be a big star somewhere and then be like, all right, I'm just a guy here. And, like,
2: the point of this feud is not for Raven to get to Vampiro, it's for Raven to get to Mitchell. Yeah. And Vampiro is, like, the, the big boss of the new church still, but he's still, like, the step before Raven gets to James Mitchell.
1: But, like, that's the that's the whole, like, the territory stick, right? It's like, you want to get to the manager above all else. Mm. Also, like, James Mitchell is literally the devil, so. Yeah.
2: And I think this is the last we see of Vampiro. All of his stuff is here in October. Like, all of Vampiro's DNA run, every match. How fitting. Hallowed old we? Yeah, the, the, the spook month for, for the uh, Blood Gallows of Retribution match, or whatever it was called.
1: Oh, oh, fucking Dream Blood of Retribution.
2: I think it was Dream Blood of Gallows, Dr- Gallows Retribution, Doc Gallows. This is, this is a Devil May Cry mission. Dream Blood of Festus match. Oh, that sounds disgusting. Uh, so, yes, Raven starts his journey through the New Church with a match against Sin on NWATNA pay-per-view number 65.
1: <laughs> I just read this, and my only note was the word blood. <laughs>
2: <laughs> my favorite thing was the, the promo leading to this match, where backstage James Mitchell was there with his New Church, and he's talking about how this, tonight Raven's going to face Sin. And Sin is a tough dude. He's so tough that we're going to throw darts in his back right now, right in front of you, so you can see how tough this man is.
1: Uh, This was the promo where I officially declared that the New Church are the best thing NWA TNA has ever done.
2: So, like, Mitchell is just cutting this promo about how Sin is a tough guy.
1: Sin turns around, Slash walks up with some darts, and just starts
2: throwing them in the back of Sin.
1: I like that at the end, Sin doesn't even get, like, the credit for this because it's Slash going, ah! He doesn't
2: even know so. he doesn't even turn around, he's just there with with darts. And like it's so typical of pro wrestling that they probably shoot through darts in the man's back. Oh, they hundred percent did. It's so stupid that wrestling is like, oh yeah, we're gonna actually throw darts in this man's back, even though there's probably a way we could very easily work the idea of throwing darts in his back without actually throwing darts in the man's back. Mm. But yeah, Raven beats in. I-, I have very little to say about a lot of these actual matches. I think they're all fine. They're all like Raven just runs through the guy pretty quick.
1: I think everything this month was, like, between two and, like, three and a quarter. Mm. So if you want our impressions on the match, all of the matches, not terrible, but nothing great
2: really either. The other note before this match is that Raven told the gathering that this is a mission he wants to go by himself, so Punk and Julio should come out.
1: Yeah, we're stunned that up now, too.
2: Yes, so after the match, Raven tried to get further revenge on Sin, Vampiro interfered. They were going to hang Raven again from the, the rafters in the corner, but the gathering made the save. He just said not he to. He did just say not to. His bloody kids aren't listening to him. They're it. not. So, of TNA, pay-per-view number 66, October 15th, the show opens after we get the Mighty of Don West talking about Japan. We get Mitchell being brawled out into the arena with Raven being dragged by a chain.
1: Yeah, this was actually pretty great. I wanted to mention real quick. Um, At the start of 65, Mm-hmm. There was a really great little mini James Mitchell promo where his hair was all on his face and he was sweating and he's like, I want to literally kill this guy. I want to kill him and I want to see him in hell. And I was like, that's a great promo.
2: Yeah, I think it was included in the cold open, wasn't it? Yeah. Which is a weird place to put it. It's like, no, put this good James Mitchell promo. Put it like an actual spotlight on it.
1: They've started to do these things where like they would do the recap and then they'll cut to a promo what happened after it. Um, but they're just in the cold. Open. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that because it was a really good promo.
2: It's not even usually like a full promo. It's usually like a, like a 20 second, you know, reaction shot.
1: It's like a New Japan interview. Everything is to Japan
2: with you on this episode, isn't it? Well, only the good things. So James Mitchell being dragged into the arena by Raven, he's going to hang him, but then he's ju- jumped by Vampiro and Slash, and he's put through a table before, once again, the gathering arrive.
1: Yeah, um, we're setting up a, a big match later on.
2: Yeah, so uh, Raven was meant to face Slash on the show. Instead, the gathering faced Vampiro and Slash. And Eric Watts makes that change. Classic. So later in the show, Raven is backstage with the gathering. He's like, "Guys, I told you." And he's very patient. In fairness, he's not snapping on them. He's just like, "I told you, I want to do this myself."
1: And like how they're very careful here to make Raven not come across as a dick about this.
2: I do find it interesting how, like, Raven is, 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 like, being pretty nice about it. Like, he's not, like, I told he's not trying to drop bleach down CM Punk's throat.
1: I was gonna say, the old Raven literally would have tried to murder one of them over this. But instead he's just like, guys, I told you
2: this is a mission I have to go through by myself. Please leave me do this by myself.
1: But also, like, why? (laughs) You know, just don't. He wants to take them out one by one. Real men accept
2: help. Raven's not a real man. Whoa, what the fuck? So Vampiro and Slash defeat the gathering later in the show. Mm-hmm. Raven uh, comes out tries to get his hands on Mitchell but Mitchell escapes
1: again it's almost like they're paying off to that or something
2: so NWAT pay a baby number 67 Raven faces Slash in a dog collar match which has I think my favorite dog collar match finish of all time that should literally be the finish to MJF Punk. It's so good. So so they have the chain between them. Slash charges Raven in the corner. Raven does like a real quick rope-a-dope. Then pulls on the chain. Slash does like a 360 spin. And then Raven catches him in the raven effect, drops him, pins him. Like, I can't do it justice to how smooth it is. It's like all one single movement. It's really cool. It's a, such a good finish.
1: Yeah, um, it looked really cool. Um, there were some awkward moments in this dog collar match, but for the most part, it was pretty fun. I mean, Slash is great,
2: so... I think there are pretty cool awkward moments sometimes as well, where it's like they, they didn't measure the chain properly, or the chain gets stuck on the rope or something, and someone gets their head pulled around. Oh, well, what happened was
1: they, he went over it, but he didn't realise that the chain was still threaded around, so he went to Irish whip him, and he just got fucking yanked down by his neck. Which, listen, a very unpleasant, I'd imagine, for Slash, but a pretty good spot in a dog collar match. Uh, if only it was something he had been ready for and could have prepared for instead of just legitimately having his neck get yanked. Mm,
2: yeah, great, great, great finish to this match. After the match, he tried to hang slash Vampiro and Mitchell save, made the save. There's a brawl Vampiro spat missed in Raven's face, but the gathering ran out to help again, even though Raven told him not to, and Raven's mad because they turned to help. Grr. Angry man. So later in the show, the usual thing they do now where Don West and Mike Danae are running down the car for next week. Raven interrupts them to challenge Vampiro to a dream blood gallows of retribution match for next week.
1: This is the most pretentious thing I've ever heard in my life. And
2: like It's a pretty simple story or like the stipulation. The, the the match there's there's dog collars hanging from each of the four ropes. You have to tie the dog collar around your opponent's neck and, and choke them and hang them for, for the match to end. But yeah, the dream blood gallows of retribution.
1: I hate how much time, how much they said dream blood. Makes no sense.
2: The, 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 the weird bit is they drop the dream bit for the next show. It's just the blood gals of retribution match.
1: Yeah, but then he has dream blood on his chest. He does.
2: So I've, there's mixed messaging here from the NWATNA. And he
1: cuts a promo where he's like, James Mitchell, I can't be a dream blood.
2: And then NWATNA pay-per-view number 68, Raven finally gets his hands on Vampiro in the dream blood gals of retribution match. Raven wins. They do the same DDT they did with franchise, the top rope DDT through a table, except Vampiro took absolutely none of the bump
1: yeah i think the table was out of place a little bit too here it just didn't work out well
2: raven just went ass first through the table vampiro like did not come within a country mile of the table not at all but then raven threw him over the ropes hung him vampiro was now taken out mitchell tried to interfere post-match tried to throw a fireball raven ducked gathering ran out again these boys do not listen
1: and the problem here was like because it missed
2: it they looked like Kids were running out and to me, it was meant to miss raven was meant to duck but yeah it's like he was fine what are you doing it would also like like punk like grabbed him to like stop him it was really weird i wonder were they meant to actually pull him out of the way but they just mistimed it yeah it was very odd so yeah raven was mad that the gathering came out i was
1: mad because it looked stupid
2: <laughs> then raven challenged james mitchell to a last man standing match for next week's pay-per-view what if he just says no listen his entire new church has been taken out what's he gonna do Say no. That's true, he could just say no. And obviously, like, Sin wasn't that badly taken. Sin has probably recovered.
1: And yeah, so just, like, make a call to malice, you know? Yeah, get Brian Lee back. Yeah. But also just, like, don't show up next week. <laughs> no, it's like, don't show up next week. So what? You lose a match by, like, count or whatever. Raven's still bold. Mm. Still scalped him. Still got his hair. Take that away from it. Still got all his dignity and self-respect. Yeah.
2: So that is the Raven and New Church stuff of the month. I, I will say, this felt like this program just should have ended with the hair versus hair match. The, the Raven retribution story doesn't feel particularly interesting. Yeah. But, listen, the matches have all been fine. The stories have all been fine. But uh, the after, like, two or three months of Raven and Douglas being, like, the highlight of the show, this this month it's just a thing on the show. Yeah. All right, tag teams, which I think we're going to be real goddamn quick about. <laughs> You don't want to get real in-depth with the Doring and Roadkill? I don't really even want to go like beat for beat through everything that happened with all these teams and stuff this month. <laughs> We're just, let's just gun through it. Alright, so we have the continuation of the 3 Live Crew against Diamond and Swinger feud. There is a six-man tag team elimination match and a, a regular six-man tag... Uh, no, a match between... Uh, Sandman and David Young. Let's start with Sandman and David Young. So uh, so Sandman is meant to be facing Glenn Gilberti on and paper number 64 October 1st. But uh, David Young is so eager to get in the good graces of Diamond Swinger and Gilberti that he's willing to take Gilberti's place
1: in that match. Well, it was more of like a uh, prove yourself to us thing after he was like, hey, why'd you beat me up with chairs? And then they were like, it's just a thing we do. Come on, get over it. They gaslit him. No, the, the beating him up to Harris was later in the month. <laughs> No, wasn't no, it wasn't that like last. Oh, no, no, he, he beat him up. With, they
2: beat him up with chairs after he lost the Sandman. All right, it's all the same thing. It's, it's uh, these are the stories this month that there's just a bunch of stuff happening and none of it is
1: particularly interesting. It's just stuff. Yeah, and like actively, some of the bad stuff happens in this stuff too because like that tag match was dreadful. Uh, which one? The AMW uh, Young Gilberty. I thought. It, We'll, we'll
2: get, we'll, we'll go to in quality order, we'll get. So Sandman faces David Young, Sandman wins with a top rope and rana and a swanton bomb. Well, he busts out the swanton every now and again. I love him just doing high-flying moves, it's so stupid. But more importantly, Liam, Sandman during this match was wearing a t-shirt. <laughs> yes. A t-shirt that seemed to generate a considerable amount of interest on Twitter in the last week. It's a good shirt. So it's the new TNA t-shirt with a TNA logo on the front, and on the back it says, I smacked it raw! Dot, dot, dot. I want more
1: TNA. They definitely don't have the copyright for this. We need to sell it. Do we want to sell it is a question I would ask. Yes. We need to bootleg this. This
2: is the worst t-shirt I've ever seen in my life. Anyone who likes this, be I would, stupid, stupid. I would wear
1: this daily. We need to get this.
2: Next time you have a presentation or something in college, I want you to wear this t-shirt to it.
1: All right. Get it to me. I the way your
2: eye smacked it raw. I want more TNA t-shirt.
1: Yeah, I would wear that. You know, we did the club fucking initiations today. I would have worn that then. (laughs) Would you have plugged the podcast then, huh?
2: Yes. Would you like to hear the story of my I smacked it raw, I want more TNA t-shirt, huh? You have to listen to You've Got to Be Kidding Me. I think this is giving you a lot of reason to buy me this shirt. I don't think I could find this shirt. I don't think there's very many of the... If
1: only some dashing rogues would bootleg it for people. (laughs) So everybody could wear their I smacked it raw, I want more TNA t-shirt. Come on. <laughs> Tweet us if you want the I smacked it raw, I want it more TNA t-shirt from us. I would love to be in the TNA marketing
2: department when they're like, I smacked it raw, Smackdown, raw, I
1: smacked it raw. <laughs> Is that what it's meant to be? I just thought it was a sex joke. <laughs> did you literally not put together the Smackdown and raw part of it? I definitely did not. <laughs> what the- <laughs> I just, it was, I just thought it was a neat sex joke, you know.
2: You didn't put together the shot
1: at WWE in there. Nope. Liam, Liam. I like it less now. Yeah, I thought it was just a, I thought it was some cool sex stuff. No, you know? it's a really bad, dumb wordplay joke. I smacked it raw. I want it more. She'd be like, "I smacked it down. I'm a clown. <laughs>
2: Why would you have it? I'm a clown. That, but that, that—that doesn't put over TNA at all." <laughs> <laughs> Who are you, doing?
1: Uh keep move on.
2: <laughs> I smacked it raw. I want more TNA.
1: <laughs> move I on. I
2: still cannot believe that you actually didn't understand the the, the shot of WWE wordplay in the t shirt.
1: <laughs> I just thought it was a cool sex shirt.
2: No, sex has been gone for a few months now.
1: Another shirt we should be bootlegging.
2: Uh so after the match, uh, Diamond Swinger Goldberri came out. They beat the shit out of David Young with a chair, and then Trio came in to save. Mm-hmm. Uh, following week, David Young is like, "Hey guys, what the hell? We, you just beat the shit out of me with a chair?" And they're like, "No." As you mentioned, "No, we do that to our friends. We we only beat people who we like." <laughs> yeah. How high pitch can we get when we
1: explain this? Straight up, straight up gaslighting.
2: Gaslighting poor David Young, trying to make him into a friend. Then we had a six man tag match Gilberti, Diamond, and Swinger against 3LK. It was elimination rules. Disco was your sole survivor. The match was a match. It was dull. So much of the, again, so much of the wrestling on these shows is just, it just exists. It's just there. Crowd's dead. They're just wrestling in front of a dead crowd. Nothing is happening. Yep. Uh, should we go to AMW, Kid cash, and then pivot back? Because no, we'll go to Doring and 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 Roadkill.
1: Yeah, well, um, do the AMW stuff as a part of the that Abyss. Cash and Abyss, cash yeah. Cash stuff. So we
2: have the debut of a new tag team. We've seen Danny Doring in TNA before, but he has brought his old ECW tag partner Roadkill to face Diamond and Swinger. Uh, ECW nostalgia runs. Yeah. I, I do like Gilberti being like, these guys killed ECW and now they're coming here to try and kill TNA
1: too. I liked him being like, I don't know who these guys are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that I bet Swinger and Sutton Diamond don't know who they are either. Even though they wrestled in ECW and they were ECW tag champs. And today's like, what? <laughs> you shut the fuck up. Yeah, basically. He's like, he's like, you know this is bullshit. <laughs> so I learned recently that Gilberti worked Dragon Gate. Oh. Or Torimon, rather. Good for him. As, I guess, I guess a part of the... WCW deal? Mm. <laughs> and then apparently, like, shit on the show immediately after. Of course he would not think Dragon Gate is good wrestling. Yeah. It was just a little funny sidebar from um, Open the Voice game mm. on the V.A.W. network. Disco's dream run in Dragon Gate. He's one match. Pretty wrestle. It... Oh, it's got so many names. Boogeyman. Disco with a Q. Disco Inferno with a Q. D.I. Uh, Glenn Gilberti. Glenn Gilberti with two N's. Brooklyn Stud. Slave. And Teaser. He works zero on. God, how, why why did these companies book Disco? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be checking that that out in a second. But let's find out what this Torimoto match was first. Disco Inferno, Latin Lover, and Magnum Tokyo defeated the Italian connection of Berlin oh, Berlinetta Boxer, Shuji, I can't do this. Kondachi Shuji, and Pesca... Pescatore Yagi. Ah, perfect. In six minutes at Absolutamente. Dream match. That was that the. That was the I'm gonna find out this show now, uh, yeah. That was the the Dragon Kid, Darkness Dragon, Mars versus Mars match, Ooh. tremendous match. And then of course his zero one match was Koho Sato, uh, Hoshikawa, Shinsuke Yamagasa, and uh, oh, Sasaki, based uh, against Aussie Beef, Boogeyman, Don Arakawa, and Saru the Man. I assume he was Boogeyman.
2: Aussie Beef is everything that happens when I say mean things to you on podcasts.
1: Aussie Beef is a Japanese man. Still. Don't you ruin my wordplay. Uh, but yes, uh, that is some good old Puro. The famous Puro
2: featuring the Disco Inferno.
1: Coming soon to the Patreon. That's our crossover with Open the Voice game.
2: <laughs> so yes, Doring and Roadkill made their debuts. They took out Diamond and Swinger. They beat them in a non-title match. Then the following week on NWAT 18 APB number 67, they had a title match in which they lost. I thought Roadkill looked good, but otherwise these matches were unremarkable.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't even remember anything Doring did in any of these matches. And the only thing I remember about Roadkill is that he did the cool dive. Yeah, he did the double clothesline, which was rad.
2: And then last show of the month, we had Ekmo and Fatu facing. Ekmo and Two is the same person. Siaki <laughs> and Ekmo Fatu facing Danny Doring and Roadkill. Nice little match, perfectly fine. Ekmo and Siaki won. Woo! Yep, Ekmo and Siaki also had a match against Mad Mikey and Sharkboy, but I guess we'll talk about that when we get to Don Callis.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, Sharky kind of disappeared. Yeah, he was taking
2: off the shows, even though they bought a bunch of Sharkboy masks to sell, and then Shark Boy wasn't on the shows f- for the rest of the
1: month after October 1st. I bet those masks still sold, though. Shell, yeah. I know that Vampiros had a couple masks in the crowd, too. Mm. They really didn't play into the um, Halloween stuff enough on the last show, but there was a little bit of it. And you had Jim Duggan with a pumpkin. Yeah, that was the one, like
2: spot you see they already did Styles and Russo dressing as Freddy and Jason so they they blew their Halloween load a couple months ago
1: Mm.
2: (laughs) yep so if we're doing AMW against Cash and Abyss later that probably brings us to the X Division then doesn't it
1: ah yeah Unless you want to do Cash and Abyss now. Sure, we'll do
2: Cash and Abyss now. It makes more sense. So Kid Cash and Abyss feud, well, started teaming through the month and then ended up feuding. So they had a couple of matches against AMW, the first of which was on NWTNF Avery number 64. First show, first match of the month. Pretty good match. Yeah, th- th- there was a real cool spot where Abyss was sitting in the corner and Ab- Kid Cash <laughs> climbed Abyss, climbed his shoulders, then did a moonsault off of Abyss' his shoulders onto Chris Harris.
1: <laughs> Would you like to read one of my great notes for this one? Sure. Match? Kid Cash looks like an evil Jeremy Renner. You know, the long hair like obscures it, but thinking about their faces, I
2: see it. I see it.
1: I, I was really thinking like, late-era Kid Cash when he returned to Impact with the short mm-hmm. hair, but he does look like evil Jeremy Renner. <laughs> yeah, I'll allow it. I will allow it. And of course, we had the biggest note in this match, that Ron Harris has left TNA to be Randy Savage's road manager for his rap CD. For his Be A Man CD, he's off to run the tour for (laughs) Be A Man. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything as simple as, big man working for little man, and the crowd is ready for the big man to have enough of his bullshit? I was thinking the exact same thing here. I was watching Wardlow here, I was watching Jamie Hayter here, I was watching anyone currently doing this shtick but it is good-ass shtick every
2: time. And like and all people want to see is the big guy to snap and beat the living shit out of the little guy, and it works every single time, and the crowd go nuts for it every single time. It's one of those like timeless, simple pro wrestling angles. Yeah, big fan. So yeah, there's further cash and the d- d- uh, Abyss dissension here. Uh, uh, Abyss's wetness level varies through the month, Liam. Mm, he has a, a wet contender in this month as well. Yeah, so his front is usually considerably more wet than his back, so he does dump something over his front down his hair and makes them all wet. Maybe it just is a big water
1: bottle like I'm currently drinking from. Are you going to dump it over your head and make yourself abyss levels wet? I already spit take fucking directly onto my goddamn mattress so I don't think I'm going to
2: uh, but yeah, good match. The moot all off the shoulders was quite cool, but Cash won after he used the chair. Terry Taylor tried to ra- inform the referee about the chair use, then Kid Cash and Abyss attacked him. AMW made the save to set up Kid Cash and Abyss against AMW with Terry Taylor as special referee the following week.
1: Mm. We're never going to get to this point in the show, but I really want to mention that Mike Jene called Don West Big Boy. Ah, yes.
2: It's his affectionate little name for him as
1: well. Yeah, it's it's a fun little, fun little notch. I'm going to be so hurt when west does the heel turn it's not until 2009 so you have plenty of time i know but i'm i'm gonna be so distraught the
2: anniversary of that's coming up actually was um
1: i don't think i'm emotionally ready for it
2: i did notice this month while i was watching these shows every time they cut to the announcers at the start of the show there's usually the opening match and then they cut to the announcers to like welcome everybody my tonight every single time nearly not every time but, but like nine times out of ten and he says, and hello once again everyone from ringside. Every single time. To the degree that I spent like half an hour making a supercut of, of and hello once again everyone from ringsides <laughs> while watching one of these shows. I was like, I suppose to be watching it. It's like, no, I've heard this enough that I have to put like 40 of them together into a single video. Actually, I'll put the the, the video clip of Mike Taney's and hello once again everyone from ringsides right here. So you can hear Mike Taney say it like 40 different times.
0: And hello once again everyone. From ringside. Hello once again, everyone from ringside. And then hello once again, everyone from ringside. And hello once again, everyone from ringside. Hello once again, everyone from ringside. And 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 hello once again, everyone from ringside. Hello once again, everyone from ringside. And hello once again, everyone from ringside. And hello once again, everyone from ringside. And hello once again, everyone from ringside ringside hello once again everyone from ringside hello once again everyone from ringside and hello once again everyone from ringside hello once again everyone from ringside hello once again everyone from ringside and hello once again everyone from ringside and hello once again everyone from ringside and hello once again everyone from ringside mike today and don west
2: i do wonder like uh, I I clearly have verbal tics like that. I'm sure some of the listeners can tell me about some of them. So if, if either me or Liam have verbal tics that that we here don't notice, but you clearly do,
1: let us know on Twitter at TinaHistoryPod. History Pod. Let us know our, our and hello once again from Ringsides. We 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 know mine. I can't... What's yours? Oh, I remember we had like a whole bit about it. We were talking about how I um. Well it's um, I say a lot of ums But we're talking about how I said the same thing over and over again But I can't remember what it was now And like, like, I'm not gonna, like, ums and likes and you knows
2: like, Those are filler phrases, everyone uses those But stuff like, and hello once again from ringside Is is one of those things that's just ingrained in Mike Taney's brain Like, it, uh, he probably just reflexively uses every week
1: mm. I'm sure we all have them I mean, anyone who records hours of content I'm sure has <laughs> Has those fallback phrases that your brain just goes to so, AMW,
2: NW, paper number 65, October 8th, faced a Kid Cash and Abyss in a rematch with Terry Taylor as special referee. <laughs> Which is some bullshit, first of all. Don West on commentary was like, Terry Taylor's a veteran, and he's a professional, and he will not screw
1: Kid Cash and Abyss. He, and he did. He absolutely did. He totally screwed them. Yeah, it seems unfair. Kid Cash rocking the heel section shirt. Was he? Yeah, he came out with a heel section shirt. I did notice he wore a Violent by Design shirt on one of these shows. Wow.
2: <laughs> the original member. The long-term foreshadowing e- of the 2020 TNA Stable. Hey, EY was booked this month too. Yeah, EY saw that shirt and he just like the idea just sat in his brain for borderline 20 years.
1: I like that he's their guy. And I like that the guy who like gets off on beating women is the <laughs> heel section guy. That's the person you want to champion, isn't it? Mm-hmm. A good little match, actually. I like this match. Yeah, it's your usual good little AMW match. AMW really are the best. They're such
2: a great tag team. So yeah, your usual chair spots, ref bumps, So uh, and then eventually AMW won with a super kick into a chair, which Terry Taylor was looking... Right at. He didn't give a shit. Allowing AMW to cheat.
1: Then, of course, we get we get Wardlow turning on MJ. We get the big
2: moment, so Cash berates Abyss for the loss. Cash slaps Abyss. He's shouting at him, but then Abyss slaps him back. Cash low blows Abyss to try and cut him off, but Abyss fires up, hits him by the backdrop. Goes to the black hole, Sam, but Cash bails out. Which you didn't like.
1: Yeah, I, I always think that you should give them the big moment just because it's, it's the big turn. It hits him off right, gets the crowd right into them. Like, I, I'm, I guess it's a little more different with Abyss because he has, like, the one big move at the time. But, like, I was equating it to Wardlow, and it's like, I think I agree with you where, like, Wardlow shouldn't hit the knee or anything, but he should definitely hit MJF with a power bomb straight up. No, you see, I disagree. I think,
2: like, MJF being hit with the power bomb by, by Wardlow is the moment.
1: Oh, yeah, you know what? Actually, he should, I, I take it back, he should bomb literally everyone else in the pinnacle, like, 12 times. Yeah,
2: like, like, I suggested that in the watch and you gave out to
1: me no I think I in my head it, I just imagined him like taking them out which isn't fun but I think because his gimmick is specifically guy who hits a bunch of power bombs he should definitely hit a bunch of power yeah bombs. he should take out every single person in the pinnacle he should
2: power bomb them all and then MJF should get away and the moment is when he power bomb. just like the moment here is when Abyss finally hits the black hole slam which he doesn't do because like he gets the firing up he hits him with the backdrop he is running wild and then the, the classic Abyss
1: <laughs> a backdrop that almost went real he, bad by yeah uh,
2: way. like Cash nearly didn't rotate so he basically went up up and nearly came straight back down in a way that would have been very very bad but it, it more or less worked out
1: yeah but i'm um, thank god we got the turn i'm excited for this
2: abyss singles run now it, it's weird that he doesn't really go babyface after this even though he's obviously the baby face in his feud with cash
1: you guys babyface against cash
2: <laughs> so we have the first of two kid cash and abyss matches for uh for the month and A paper number 66 october 15th we got kid cash facing abyss Uh, Abyss wins with a black hole slam.
1: I like the shock treatment. It's a great move. I I
2: understand why nobody does it because, listen, you're dropping on your ass every night. It's going to absolutely shatter your spine.
1: You should only do it if you have a thick
2: dumper. But especially a guy the size of Abyss, like dropping down on his ass with a guy on his shoulder. like That's so bad for you. (laughs) Yeah, that can't be good. Compressing your spine, compressing your ass, breaking your back—it's—it's it's not a good move to do. This is the—the—the—the the, the, the night where Kid Cash delivered the line in a backstage promo. I not only beat
1: women, I beat legends. Yeah, I mean, at least, like it's comedic now again, I guess. Mm. So, like at least, like when it's so comedic and over the top, like it's—it's it's at least you can play it off as like this heel shtick. It's when like it got real that it made me uncomfortable. Yeah,
2: when he's just silly and overly bragging about beating women it's fine <laughs>
1: he's a silly little man now mm. so I it's not like but when like he's physically abusing a woman on the stage until she bleeds it's a little much I know from backstage
2: Kid Cass and Abyss had a minor altercation in the TNA locker room following their match after the match, Cash complained to TNA officials that Abyss had worked rough with him. Abyss took exception to Cash's claims and confronted him in the shower area. One wrestler described Cash's response Cash went into his I've been in the business for years and I'm not afraid of you, so bring it on routine. Cash, who has a reputation for being a hothead, probably hasn't done himself any favors with Dutch Mantel.
1: I mean, Cash is he, he kind of has earned the right to be like, hey man, keep it a little light, you know what I mean? Uh, like, Abyss isn't, like, a rube. Like, Abyss is, I think, uh, like, a four- or
2: five-year pro at this stage as well, though. So he's not, like, a rookie green guy. So I, I, I would understand Abyss taking exception. But also, Abyss is cooler, Kid Cash, so I take Abyss's side.
1: <laughs> I just mean, like, you know, if I'm, if you have a problem, you can bring it up.
2: Nah, Abyss should,
1: should work stiffer with him next time. <laughs> yeah, I do like the, the response to this from the booking perspective. It's, yeah, let's put him in a, a hardcore match. Let's give him a chair and let him sort out how fucking, how soft they're going to be. One of them has to bleed. Following week, October 22nd, uh, Kikash
2: defeats Sanjay Dot. Kikash beats up Sanjay after the match. Abyss makes the save. Sanjay, like, crawls up on Abyss being like, hey, thanks. But then he gets Black Hole slammed by Abyss. Yeah. By the way, debuting Sanjay. We'll talk about that more in a second. No, he debuted in the tag. That's what I mean. We're mentioning him here that, that... That This is the first that we are mentioning Sanjay, but we'll talk about Sanjay's actually debut, actual debut in a minute. Mm. And then last show of the month, we had a steel chair on a pole first blood match between Abyss and Kid Cash.
1: I enjoyed this. It was, it was good for what it was. It went a little long. I mostly liked it because of the post-match angle, I think.
2: Yeah, this is where Kid Cash had his Violent by Design t-shirt. There was a double rotation black hole slam in here. It wasn't like a, a real good one, but it was still a double rotation black hole slam, so I, I can't give out. So the the finish was Abyss was kicking Cash's ass, but uh, had the chair propped up in the corner. Cash sent Abyss into the chair. Abyss got back in the ring, continued to kick ass. But then the referee noticed that the, that shot into the chair caused Abyss to bleed. So Cash won the first blood match. Abyss, this is actually some like long-term TNA storytelling here, Liam. Mm-hmm. Abyss went absolutely mm-hmm. nuts at the sight of his own blood, kicked ass, destroyed security, wanted to, to, to uh, kick some more of Kid Cash's ass. Law. It is like legitimate TNA Abyss lore. Abyss has all the law. If you flash forward all the way to 2014 TNA, the Joseph Park story is that every time he bleeds, he turns back into Abyss.
1: How's he turn into his brother? It makes no sense.
2: They're the same person, Liam. Learn your TNA canon. <gasps> So there is your Abyss and Kid Cash stuff. AMW are also, like, flirting around the Diamond and Swinger stuff still. They have a match at the end of the month against Glenn Gilbert and David Young. You apparently hate this match.
1: Yeah, it was bad.
2: I will say, this was the match where it's like, AMW shouldn't... I'm going to criticize AMW. It's going to feel so bad. AMW
1: Ooh. shouldn't
2: be doing... I, I like this match. I didn't hate it as much as you did. But I will say, that I reached the point where it's like, AMW do their formula match for every match where they do the ref bumps, they do the interference spots, they do the, like, foreign object. I'm like, you shouldn't be doing that for every match. You shouldn't be doing that for a basic ass tag match against Glenn Gilberti and David Young. I'm fine for your, like, big blow-offs. I'm fine for your matches against the New Church or your matches against Triple X. have that. But when you're having, like, a bog-standard TV match against David Young and Glenn Gilberti, and they also, we we should mention, The Naturals debuted this month as well. M. W. wrestled The Naturals. Andy Douglas and Chase Stevens as well this month. So, Like, those two matches, they do the
1: full AMW formula. It's like, no, just go out and have a normal little tag match. I just want to give a a quick shout-out here. He just reminded me. FTR straight up doing an AMW formula tag match with Punk and Moss. Like,
2: like down to the ref bumps. Everything I mentioned, the ref bumps, the interference, the foreign objects, the kicking out of the interference. That was the most AMW-ass tag match I've seen in a very long time. Well,
1: and, you know... (laughs) You know, the move.
2: Well, they did an actual death sentence, but that's, uh, is it a Rock and Roll Express move or a mid Express? Express move? They did the-
1: Yeah, in that in that match, it was a goddamn AMW. Match. Yeah, the way that match was structured, they were doing a
2: death sentence. They were, they were doing nothing else.
1: Yeah, I just, I know, like, watching it and, like, being like, like, me and you just being like, holy shit, they're working an AMW tag match here. No, I said
2: it to you, and then you, you were like, oh, mister, uh, everything is NWATNA related, and then you just, in brackets,
1: you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, "You're 100 right," but I you know, I gotta give out you for constantly comparing things to NWA But like, it, it totally was, and it, it was a tremendous match, too. especially because they were working Punk, who worked NWA
2: So Punk, I, I hope it was Punk who's like, "Let's do an AMW match." I, just think, I think old Dax and Cash were watching some AMW tapes over the week. What an AMW match. So, yeah, AMW have two matches at the end of the month. One against the Naturals, who are Glenn Gilberti's hand-picked opponents, where the Naturals win, Eric Watts comes out, uh, restarts the match. I like that way more than you. The the Naturals AMW match? Yeah. I thought it was fine. I liked it. I thought this was a good little AMW banger. Mm, and then the last match of the month, which is Young and Gilberti against
1: AMW. Which was great.
2: But yeah, the the Naturals will be a reoccurring force in the TNA Tag Division, and Douglas Chase Stevens will be... Forever. Well, for three years. <laughs> But they will be generational rivals of AMW for a little bit. Cool. So that's all the tag team stuff, I think. Glenn recruits Siaki and Ekmo to take on AMW.
1: Over Swinger and Diamond. Yeah,
2: well, I think it's to take them out so they can't get the Swinger and Diamond.
1: Yeah, but Swinger and Diamond did offer. They're like, we'll take on these new we'll take on these nerds again. And Trinity thinks they're absolute idiots for listening to disco. And she's not wrong. But I'm really excited for another Diamond Swing AMW match because their matches have been great. TriLK are still hovering around the tag division Liam. Don't forget about Triel K. No, they kinda disappeared, so uh, X-Division
2: for the month, we have a bunch of Michael Shane title defences. He has title defences against Jerry Lynn, he has title defences uh, against Christopher Daniels, against Chris Sabin, and against Chris Sabin and Christopher Daniels.
1: Okay, so we're going to get the Daniels stuff out of the way here. So Daniels has been dumped down to the X-Division, Liam. And not only has he been dumped down, he has been completely devalued. Like, this guy is, he is no longer in any sort of prominent spot. This feels straight up like... Uh, we tried something, it didn't work, we're kicking you down to the X-Division. But This feels like this feels like a, a legitimate demotion.
2: Because he does have a match against Delo Brown, in which he does win, on NWTNAPA yes. number 64, October 1st, first show of the month, he beats Delo. So there there is a little bit of, like, he's still beating one of the quote-unquote main event heavyweight guys, I guess. Delo's not a main eventer anymore, he's very much been dumped down into the mid-card. But then he is demoted to the X-Division, and it's not even like, you know what, we'll give him an X-Division title run.
1: He's actually, he goes in and he just loses. He's putting people over. He's been put in the X-Division to lose the people. I had um, some hope for it at the start, because in the CAS match, I had the note of, Nice seeing Daniels back in the x I wonder if he, if this is an admission of failure to his earlier push against Jarrett. And as I would learn later on, yes it is. <laughs> it's just quite sad. So,
2: first show of the month, Lynn loses to Michael Shane after Chris Sabin interferes. And then... Lynn takes offense to this and goes,
1: Why is there so much bloody interference? I'm leaving. <laughs> the
2: next show, the show of Free Tape for Lynn, is just like, I'm going home and we don't see Jerry Lynn for the rest of the month.
1: We don't see a few people for the rest of the month. Triple A
2: owner Antonio Pena was presented before the match. He had the exhibition title. There's a fun note Triple uh, A promoter Antonio Pena and Conan were in the same locker room for the first time since they bitterly broke off their business relationship several years ago. Vampiro, also a former enemy of Conan, was said mm. to be
1: instrumental in bringing the two back together. I went uh, didn't then Conan wasn't around for the rest of the month, so Well he did some stuff. He's probably still doing commentary. And
2: right? yeah yeah, the the, the uh, more interesting though, Antonio Pena during this match went on commentary with Conan, which I kinda would like to hear that Spanish commentary to see where they're like sniping at hmm. each other. If we can understand. Yes, it. that's true, I don't speak Spanish. Someone translate the NWA TNA paper number sixty four Spanish commentary for me, please. Thank you. If you can find it. <laughs> But Chris Avon made clear during the match he would put his Super X Cup trophy on the line in exchange for an X Division title shot against Michael Shane, which he did, and then he lost.
1: Yeah, Michael Shane
2: won the Super X Cup. So he is officially canonical winner of the first Super X Cup, I guess. Hmm, congrats. He won with a handful of trunks. Won the, the first Ultimate X, and now this. <laughs> he is Super X Cup winner, it's true. <laughs> well done. On that same show, Daniels faced Kazarian his bad influence explodes.
1: Oh, I didn't even realize that, but uh, yeah. Uh, Kaz has been thoroughly downcycled even further than Daniels. Um, those good little matches. Cause this is this is Kaz's only appearance this month, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of people who only have
2: like one show up for one show
1: this month. Which is weird because there's like five shirts I think this would be the opportunity then. A bunch of people in one month. <laughs> this was a weird one. So
2: Daniel's followers help him win. Successfully. He wins due to interference due to his three little goons. And then he's given out to him and chastising them after the match saying, oh, I need my brothers, I don't need you. I guess he feels weak. But like <sighs> The following week, he challenges Michael Shane for the X-Division title. And the finish of that match is one of his goons tries to interfere on his behalf. He's accidentally sent into the X-Division title and then Shane wins. He's like, surely that's the moment where he's like, I'm done with my follower goons because they just cost me the X-Division title.
1: I think it's a bit of both. I don't know. It's a growing issue. It feels
2: like they did that promo at the wrong time. Also, like, there's no follow-up on this. This this happens on October 8th. There's three more shows this month where there is no follow-up on Daniels getting his brothers.
1: He's trying to check down Loki. He's like,
2: Loki, you still in Japan? Where's Skipper?
1: What's Skipper doing? Yeah, I don't know, man.
2: Maybe he's in Japan, too, because he does work all Japan. Yeah, maybe they're all going to Japan.
1: Daniel's working zero one. We're
2: taking our our Japan tours. Daniel's, you can stay in TNA. And Daniel's like, I'm gonna go big curry man now. I forgot to mention my favorite Michael Shane promo this month, where he's talking about how like Shawn Michaels hasn't won Ultimate X. Shawn Michaels hasn't won any X division title. Soon, Shawn Michaels will be known as Michael Shane's cousin.
1: Mm, he's not wrong. He was
2: listening to our podcast bit. We did that exact bit. Mm-hmm. He's a big fan. If you've got to be kidding me, who isn't? <laughs> so shane retains against daniels after the match shane tries to beat down daniels further until chris Sabin makes the save
1: maybe say saban now it, uh,
2: kind of i don't know <laughs> <laughs> he also disappears so i guess no he doesn't he's in the freaking next title match in the last show of the month yeah really? there's a three-way or no it's not the last show of the month it's the second last show of the month but yeah there's a three-way between him he doesn't disappear at all <laughs> He just wasn't on the last show. Yeah, <laughs> he misses one show, and Liam forgets about him. Yeah, maybe they—they they are like Daniels is a heel, Shane's a heel. So do we have to turn? And we—we turned Frankie as well. Frankie is kind of a heel, even though he works as a babyface. Even though his character is that he's a ladies' man who's distracted by women. So is he a heel? Who knows? Uh, but so maybe they're like, we need a babyface in this division, so we have to turn Saban.
1: He could have been at the Halloween show. He Would have been very distracted. Why? Because <laughs> the girls were the costumes. Oh right, I thought you were talking about Saban. Yeah, I mean, maybe he would have been distracted as well. So that sets up a three way match
2: between Saban Daniels and Michael Shane, which might have been the best match of the month actually.
1: The best TNA
2: three way of all time. No, that's probably still Star's Raven Jarrett. Like even up to this period, it's not the best TNA three way of all time. I just, doing un-
1: just I was just doing an unbreakable bit, okay.
2: The Daniel Saban Shane three way that everyone talks about.
1: Yeah, the the the, the very famous TNA three way.
2: But I, I thought this was a good match. There's not a lot of like really good matches, and this might have been the best match of the month for me.
1: Uh <laughs> this two and three quarters. No, I, 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 match. I
2: disagree. Never mind. Which match is that? Oh no, it was the other X Division match. It was the X Division tag I liked a lot.
1: I think. No, I get that three. Yeah, that, that which was. That was the best match. <laughs> no, I didn't. I don't know what's happening anymore. I think I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is the best match. Sanjay Dutt and Eric Young versus Fuego and Clark. Because I gave one match this entire month above three stars,
2: and it was the Raven and Slash match, and it was entirely for that DDT finish. So the real actual
1: best match was the return of the. These are just four X Division guys that <laughs> just going out there having a cool match. It was a cool match. The, uh, the... We can go into the Sanjay stuff. Yeah, now. so Sanjay Dot makes his TNA debut
2: as Sanjay Dot and Eric Young face El Fuego and Jarrell Clark. I mean, just look at it's four TNA legends. All of them making their TNA TNA debut, other than Eric Young, who was in the other time. Yeah, so uh, real good match. Uh, El Fuego, I believe, is the father of Fuego del Sol. Is that true? Uh, he's also the father of Fuego Two.
1: Wow, it's impressive. I don't, I don't think that's true. Don't, don't. don't. Rest in peace, Fuego Two. The people, the people who might actually leave that, like, oh, really. It's good to see the Sex Division introduction style match again. They're great. Young did his double DVD, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And I, I got to admit, EY already feels TV ready. Yeah, he's a, he's a guy who has just the, the, that natural charisma, doesn't he? Yeah, he's ready to be on television at this point. Drell Clark gets a cool 630. As he's known to do. He is Mr. 630. It is his name. So I don't have much to talk about Sanjay in this match or the next match, but I have a lot to say about Sanjay in the last match of the month.
2: So yeah, San- Sanjay... I, I did like that... Mike and and Don West made a point on commentary to say that like most people that start in TNA get like a, a tryout and explosion and then work their way up it's like no this guy came straight down to the paper because we're so impressed with them. Mm.
1: Similar uh, way of being put over to, like, how Kaz and Saban were. Yeah,
2: so that match was uh, October 15th. So you had two more Sanjay Dutt matches. We've already talked about one of them. He was a face Cash. And uh, I'm I'm almost disappointed that he was just playing the role of Extivation Jobber against Cash so quickly. Mm. But then he faced Michael Shane in a match that Shane's advisor told him to make non-title. Yeah.
1: Okay, so I just want to talk about this match real quick. Sanjay got, like, 75% of the offense Mm -hmm. here. This was a showcase for Sanjay Dutt. And rightfully so. Uh, yeah, and he was really good here, really impressive. Did a lot, lot of really impressive flips, flippity flaps. Michael Shane just kind of caught him at the end and won. But yeah, the match itself, not that much to note about. But I said it was interesting that this was like, hey, Sanjay Dutt showcase against the ex champion.
2: Yeah, and Michael Shane has come up with this elaborate concoction to crown a new contender, which they went through. It happens over November, so we'll talk about it then. I
1: am so confused by it.
2: So. There's like a tournament, and there's eliminations, and it ends in the three way, and one person goes through to the final. I I don't know. There was a bunch of rules. I didn't really. I didn't even include it in the notes because I didn't want to talk about it because it doesn't happen till November. <laughs> so yeah, a, a pretty middle of the road X Division month with a couple of good matches, but nothing special. True. And then, best of the rest, we have Don Callis. I think the only thing left, really, we have is Don Callis.
1: Yeah, we already talked about. De- we got, we got, um, and because the Don Callis talk, we'll talk about Piper as well. Yeah,
2: the Don Callis stuff kind of intersects with all the other stories of the month. So Don Callis is trying to boot out everybody he doesn't like, even though the Sandman shows up again. So he's kind of failed.
1: But he, he showed up to get a win and leave. So.
2: So Kid Cash and Mad Mikey face ECMO and Sonny Siaki on the first show of the month. Dilo Brown interrupts their backstage promo, politely apologizes for interrupting their backstage promo, unlike some AEW talent who constantly interrupt people's interviews without offering some kind of apology.
1: Clearly so they have more confidence than Dilo.
2: So yeah, Dilo's like, I have your back against Ekmo and Siaki because I've had these, this beef with ECMO and Siaki for a few weeks now.
1: Yeah, they tried to kill me that one time. They
2: did. They held a funeral for me. How rude! So Don Carlos comes up, interfere, interrupts, and is like, "Hey, D-Lo. Interferes. <laughs> Dilo if you do, if you interfere, I'll boot you out of the building forever. You're not to interfere in that match.
1: He's like, "Oh yeah, I'll show you."
2: So D'Lo had the match against Daniels, which was Daniels won after interference from the red shirts. A lot of red shirts on these shows. There is a lot of red shirts on these shows. It's like ah, oh. like the,
1: the,
2: I will say, there, so this, the, these first two shows are extremely flat. The first two shows of the month, but like. When you book a show and you're like, all right, we'll do Daniels and D'Lo. I think in your head, at least, you can justifiably think that match is going to be better than it turned out to be. Yeah. But it just, it's just everything on these shows felt super flat, particularly, the first, again, the first two shows of the month, the crowd were just stone dead. Did not care. Me too, to be honest. <laughs> so when you get this D'Lo and, and Daniels match, which in theory, two good wrestlers, it's just its just a flat match. Wow. So Siaki and Ekmo defeated Sharkboy and Mikey with a real cool like, press slam cutter. <laughs> Yeah, it's a cool tag finish where where Ekmo took him up in a, in a press slam and Siaki like cuttered him down. It's a cool move. It was really funny that this happened like immediately after the
1: health insurance talk. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Well, let's finish this and we'll get to that. To be fair, the health insurance stuff really happened over like two shows anyway. Mm. So after after Sharky
2: and uh, Mikey di- in this match, they hit a, d- a double drop kick and then they did a double stereo big wiggle.
1: Which I pop for. Yeah, he did not leave the building, D-Lo. He came in, he's like, oh, we'll save you. Yeah. Callus, horrible misuse of power. <laughs> it's, just, it's just inappropriate. So, yeah, d tries to save, he gets booted by the red shirts. That's the theme of the month. So, there's a reoccurring
2: story this month, Liam, where mm. Eric Watts confronts Don Callus during a pre-tape, and he talks about how Rick Santel hurt his shoulder in a match in TNA, and TNA should pay for his health insurance. <laughs> Or at least pay his medical costs. Fair. True. Eric Watts, man of the people, of course. Yes. Eric Watts, noted socialist. And Don Callis just absolutely ridicules this
1: idea. Which is very funny. I, I, funny's a word. I, he's like... I mean, it's objectively funny in, like, that morbid way. <laughs> I, I, I literally
2: cannot believe, like, I am stunned that there is a story on this wrestling show about how one of the authority figures is trying to deny people health insurance in wrestling. He's like, we
1: can't offer health insurance. Look at the bottom line. It's ridiculous to even suggest that we'd offer health insurance. It's the most ridiculous thing that Don Callis has ever heard in his life. And you know what? It's the most ridiculous thing that Don West has ever heard in his life, too. Yeah, Don West really good. Like He's full on the, if you can't
2: stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Uh, they know what they're getting themselves into. It's like, Don! It's fucked up. Why are you supporting the
1: other Don? Yeah, this is, um... Bad news. And then uh, Don Carlos turns it around. He's like, well, why don't you pay for it? <laughs> I think Eric Watts is like, oh, I don't have a spare $3 million lying around. Do you know our medical system? Also, very importantly,
2: of course, Liam, Eric Watts is only in charge of the wrestling. He's not in charge of the business.
1: But it's, but it's also like, if you cared about it, why don't you pay for it? But it's it? not Eric Watts' responsibility. In theory, it's TNA's. I think um, the funny thing, well, that's yeah, that's the heat, Garrett. <laughs> that, that is the storyline, yes. It's a word for it. Added extra heat here, Don Callis is from Canada. <laughs> that's true, where they do have socialized medicine. <laughs> so, he can say all that he wants, and then go to Canada and get his shit fixed. Mm. It must be mentioned
2: that Tsuyaki and Ekmo against Sharkboy and Mad Mikey is Mad Mikey's final TNA match. Well, that's surprising. Well, he would pass away in November. Oh, that's
1: less surprising. So, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed what what little of him we saw in TNA. I, I thought he was a good addition yeah, to the show. Yeah, I, I thought he would have stuck around, like, obviously, there's a reason... But you know, I thought if that hadn't have happened, we would have been uh, would have kept Mad Mikey around for a long, long time. Bit of a, a morbid jump from the health insurance bit. Well, the, the, there's the Piper interview on this show as well, where he does. Let's just get the Piper shit out of the way, man. <laughs> where Piper does
2: actually talk about he has the second sit down interview at Mike today on the show, where he does actually talk about how oh. uh, how many wrestlers would have died if if wrestling companies offered health insurance.
1: And again, it's like you're really going there. Wouldn't have died. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 insane that this is a thing that ever aired. Mm. Still, like not wrong. <laughs> you, you know, pay for your wrestlers when they're hurt this is clearly a story they want to tell. It's not just Piper doing some wacky Piper thing, because... It, it's a story they want to tell for about two weeks, and they go, this is fucking insane, and they stop telling the well, story. Well, that's TNA for you, though. Yeah, but, like, I think even they were like, yeah, what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah, so yeah, this this Piper interview is the usual Piper. In-
2: it, like, he's completely unconvened. No, you have no idea what he's saying. Mike today is, like, kind of
1: mean to him? I think... I don't know. This whole Piper thing was... What the fuck was any of this? Why did he even come back? This was... 3 weeks of this. Like today is like so you got dumped by WE, you're getting dumped by TNA why don't you just quit wrestling?
2: And he's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> and then Piper, you actually don't hear the final line of Piper's interview in due to a reoccurring problem in this month's of shows, which is audio issues. Yeah, they went HD and they couldn't keep up with the HD audio. That's what Mike Tanay says anyway. But even then, like the rest of the month, there is a ton of interviews where it's like, I think their production has been pretty good in recent months, but there's a ton of stuff on these shows where it's like they cut to a backstage interview and you don't hear the first like five to ten seconds of it because they didn't switch the audio fast enough. Yeah it was pretty annoying at times there's a lot of rough stuff but yeah the last line of his interview is something to the extent of i've never quit in my life in pro wrestling and i'm not going to start now and then we've never seen ever again no we do get more piper i know i know he's back (laughs) and even when russo's taken out by Jarrett, there's a story scott hudson is talking to don callison in an interview where he's like hey russo's gone now does that mean piper can come back and he's like you've been getting your info from watts haven't
1: you (laughs) He should have been like paid for Vince Russo's medical expenses. He will be okay. <laughs> that would have been the heat, brother. Yeah. So we get a
2: bunch of red shirt security stuff. October eighth, red shirts face Chris Vaughn and D'Lo
1: Brown. Um, th- this is when we get Kevin Nethcott. Uh, wet contender. Oh, is he? How wet is he? He is insanely wet. He is straight up
2: abyss levels wet. Our Kevin northcut and 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 abyss. Did you call him Kevin Wetcut
1: a second ago? I didn't, but I'm going through now. <laughs> Kevin Wetcut. He did absolutely murder Chris Vaughn with the J driller. So the best thing that came out of this, I was like, man, it's a real shame they never got Chris Vaughn over mm. because he felt like he could have been a legitimate homegrown guy. And I'm not sure if he's good, but he has that like underdog potential, doesn't he? Yeah, but it's like, he can give it a shot, you know? I think he's like he's young, he's, he can do the flips, he can do the bumps. He get it's like, Northcutt, he absolutely kills him with the JJ.
2: <laughs> he, like, absolutely destroys the man. It's like, oh no, he's dead. <laughs> Just to the point where Eric
1: Watts is like, you dropped him on his head, man, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, and he's like, we need to get medical treatment for him, too. Mm. And then we get, um, on uh, the next show, a Liam dream match. I will say it is exceedingly rare that I will say that Eric Watts is the best wrestler in a match. But here we are. Kevin Northcutt versus Eric Watts. Banged. This match was tremendous. Was it? An old time great <laughs> TNA match. Wow, I, mean, I mean, what is there not to like about this? I mean, except the result. That's the one thing.
2: Well, and the post match saw a big return as well.
1: Yeah, your favorite wrestler came back. Don Harris. Oh, no! No, that's not the return I was talking about! I was talking about Goldilocks! That's what you were talking about. The big return that you were really excited I was for. I talking about Goldilocks. Ah, <laughs> oh, and yet Goldie came back. I don't know what happened to Goldie in the meantime, but she came back a different woman. Uh, it's all that time with Eric Watts.
2: <laughs> Kevin North could beat Watts after he hit him with a chain. They they jumped Watts after the match until John Harris made his return, accompanied by Goldilocks. They're friends, apparently.
1: Yeah, Go- uh, Goldilocks is a different person. Very weird looking. <laughs> yeah, she, uh... I don't know. <laughs> Things got. I, I guess that's what living with Eric Watts does for you. <laughs> Dating Eric Watts, this is where you go. You, you gain the unhinged energy. Yeah. And let me
2: tell you, Goldilocks had a lot of unhinged energy in her own right, but when you combine it with the unhinged Eric Watts energy, it's... it's-
1: it really brought it down a path. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since they started linking up on screen, <laughs> those two have just... It's the Joker and Harley. <laughs> this is what this is. <laughs> Eric Watts jokified Goldilocks as we mentioned Don Callis also
2: got rid of D'Lo he's gone for now rest in peace Callis mocked getting rid of
1: D'Lo mocked it said you can just buy his bobblehead. head I looked for that bobblehead. I immediately went to ebay and was like this bobblehead. another thing we should sell <laughs> I'm sure D'Lo won't get <laughs> hit D'Lo won't care about his intellectual property it's fine. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, you know, the, the shirts I think we can get away with. I don't know if we can put someone's image <laughs> on something and be like, here you go. last show of
2: the month with a tag match, Don Harris and Eric Watts face the red shirt security.
1: Oh, yeah. We all, like They also all came out and did a big schmuzz in the AMW Naturals match. Mm. Oh yeah, and Watts restarted the match. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind these little tags though, because they they're short normally, and there's just big dudes beating up little dudes. Oh, you're a big fan of the Don Harris tag match, are right? you? Um, he was kind of good. It? Wow, wow. <laughs> Listen, I don't mean to step on uh, your love of Don Harris, but he was he had a good match. A yeah. never-ending
2: reminder Pro-racist. that before Liam spent like 14 episodes calling me a Nazi. The quote. The, the Harris Bros are pretty good if they weren't Nazis. Came out of Liam Jones' mouth.
1: And then he turned it around on me. Yeah, because I don't like the fact that they're Nazis. <laughs> unlike <laughs> you, who loves the fact that they're Nazis. I hate you. Like, that for me, that's a negative, Garrett. I don't think you get the like the, the thing here. It's like, that's a positive for you, but a negative for me. I hate me. you. <laughs> you tried to come at me, alright? <laughs> yeah, this,
2: this is podcast bullying. It's very upsetting. I'm glad you didn't get your pizza. I'm glad your pizza went cold on our last episode.
1: Oh, it was still good, so fuck I'm, ha- <laughs> I'm happy
2: you choked on it.
1: Well, that, that that one's
2: fair. I am happy that this podcast recording has gone long enough that you're getting less sleep before work.
1: Yeah, that is legitimately upsetting me.
2: Well, oh, we're nearly done. So, after the match, the red shirts dropped uh, Watts with a spike pile driver, but uh, Don Harris made the save. As Goldie checked on Watts. She was very concerned.
1: Yeah. Goldie, man. This look. <laughs> That's all I can think about. Listen,
2: you'll get more goldie in the months than to come.
1: Yeah, well. I, I hope this is the look that
2: links her up with Alex Shedley. That makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> All right, let's go very quickly, show by show, anything you have. Uh, NWTN, November 64, October 1st. My one note, uh, there was a, a show opening little segment where Russo was talking to AJ, where the camera tried to interrupt him, and Russo turned to the camera, and he was like,
1: We're talking here! <laughs> hey, I'm talking here. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to mention that that room was a sex pervert room. Mm-hmm. Uh, their locker room was, like, clad in red light for some reason. Listen,
2: that's that's this. Whether uh, red light is apparently soothing, so AJ Styles is just trying to calm himself
1: down before his big tag match. Mm. Um, the only point that I had over here was that uh, Shark Boy still very over Jeff Jarrett. You could tell he was having the time of his life in kind of that promo with Dusty. Mm. They they were having a fun time. There was a a disco interview with Mike Tanay where
2: the, the, he had his entire crew. <laughs> I forgot about that, but I have his picture as my <laughs> yeah, Skype that's and yeah, and your Twitter profile picture as well. Yes. Ah.
1: Oh. Yeah, I changed it to that because I had the Gleet spoilers in it, and
2: I was like, oh, Garrett might see him. There was a line from Disco where he's like, I want to protect Diamond the Swinger from what happened to sex. It's like, what? So you want to protect him from Vince Russo? He took down sex.
1: Of course, uh, their stable name will be Condom. (laughs) Shut up. Protect sex. I smacked it raw, I want more TNA.
2: (laughs) Shut (laughs) up. You were there, being like, it's a good t-shirt. It is a good t-shirt. I would wear it daily. I'd wear it to work. This interview with Gilberti ended with Gilberti being like, "You got any more stupid questions today?" And today just like dismissively, "That's it. That's a wrap." He yeah. <laughs> just deadpanned the camera. That was a sh- that was a shoot.
1: That was it's like,
2: thank God, this interview is over. NWA favorite number sixty-five, October eighth. got anything? <laughs> I'm tr- I'm scrolling.
1: <laughs> this is where today apologized for the HD audio ruining everything. <laughs> I just have the boys love to hit each other with chairs. They do. Um, every match on this show has outside interference and not a damn thing is being done about it. Eric Watts it. Is slacking. <laughs> that, that was Jeff, uh, that was, uh, Jerry Lynn's promo. Uh, it's endlessly funny to see Punk as just a guy in TNA. He's
2: very much just a guy this month in, in particular. There's there's more Punk stuff coming, but he's he's very much just a guy. He's not listening to Raven, you see. I have a note that says Russo
1: grew the hair out and brother got loose. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> um... Yeah, that's all I have for that Henry one. Henry
2: Uday, TNA paper number is 66, October 15th. There was the return of the Scott Hudson play-by-play while uh, while Raven was attacking James
1: Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. I don't love it, to be honest. He's doing his play-by-play. Uh, I, only thing I made note of here was the quote was said a thousand times, but I'll repeat it once more. I not only beat women, I beat legends. Kid Cash, 2003. Uh, he's a very versatile man. <laughs>
2: Oh, abyss in the uh, in this match he came out to Sabu's theme. I forgot about that, and then he got his theme back by the end of the month. He was like the it wasn't even the, like the full Cebu theme either it was like the intro to the Cebu's theme, so it was like the dur. but without the no, no 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 no, and this is also where Vampiro had the very jazzy new church remix, which he <laughs> Which is like doo do 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 do
1: do 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 do. Mitchell was killing it on that track though. He does not sing that song. He definitely sings that song. NWA TNA Paper number sixty
2: seven, October twenty second, where the World Title Chain Chance is the show we did the watch along for, which Liam found any excuse to talk about anything but DNA. It was so boring. Even though you called this one of the good shows of the month. Yeah, but like that's the thing. It was it was still so tnachad.com or patreon.com slash me. if you like the show, if you support, want to support the show more, you can go there and you get all this more content for $1, 5 or $10, depending on your preferred price tier. We'd appreciate it for your support. It'd be very nice. You can go hear our full thoughts.
1: Yeah, so I can buy a new mic.
2: Yeah, so Liam can stop giving out to me, and I, w- I, have to, I, get, I can save, like, an hour editing this show every week. Mm-hmm.
1: So you can, Actually, you know, buy me an air conditioner instead, <laughs> so I can... Keep- so there might be crickets. Hey, the crickets are better than the mic problems. Fair enough.
2: Jimmy Hart came out and said that Hulk Hogan is coming to TNA because he was very impressed by the young talent.
1: Yeah, that made me really excited for Hulk Hogan. AJ Styles.
2: What what young talent in TNA do you think uh, Hulk Hogan likes?
1: Um, <laughs> Don Harris. Uh. Ewan Hogan, favorite wrestler. Swiftly
2: moving on. NWTNA baby number 68, last show of the month, October 29th. Glenn Gilberti, we didn't mention, he's doing this new shtick where he has a tennis racket. He's doing a Cornette shtick. Yeah,
1: he's going to fight Cornette, I
2: hope. Because he's not like, I'm not any old school wrestling manager, but then starts coming out with a tennis racket, because that's the heat, I guess. That's funny. Is he going to like fight Cornette?
1: Is that the gimmick here? Oh Well, Cornette doesn't show up till 2006, so no. I, know, I was going to say, it would make sense. You know, they're all the New York guys mm. fight Southern guys, it's fun. That's that's what TNA was founded on, baby. Yeah. Literally, tradition versus new school. What was it? What was the word? No, what? <laughs> Not what I meant at all.
2: But TNA was founded on the whole tra- tradition versus.
1: I meant like north versus south because I was doing a joke about the Jarrett's and Russo and having that backstage heat. It was a very nuanced joke that you didn't get. It went over my head. That's fine. You got anything else? No. Yeah. No.
2: Cool so yeah that's october 2003 a real dull boring just tired month where very little happens and it's all about hulk hogan and then hulk Hogan doesn't drop.
1: 10 hours of content
2: oh god yeah it's five shows 10 hours of pay-per-view and not a single match
1: above three stars except for one because it had a cool finish and uh that tag match was worth it i'm gonna give ey his flowers i'm like you who hates him. i'm a big ey fan you leave me alone apparently not so yeah, that's October two thousand three. We'll be back in two weeks for November two
2: thousand three. We'll be back in one week, uh, well this weekend for, or, for the Patreon show covering Ring Car King. So that, that's on patreon.com slash As mentioned, the watch-along for NWA TNA pay view number 67 with the Jared and Styles world title change is also on Patreon now for your listening pleasure. If you would like that, if you'd like to read along with the show notes, there's always a few notes we don't actually cover and stuff like that. So there's always a, a, few, a couple more details. Oh, we we should mention... Um, the October 22nd show is dedicated to Road Warrior Hawk and Stu Hart, both, both of whom passed away that week. So, uh, all those notes and more in the show notes for you on the $1 tier on Patreon. Patreon.com slash kiddingme, TNAChad.com You can follow us on Twitter at TNA Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Garrett Kidney. You can follow Liam on Twitter at the TheGleetMuda. Liam definitely desperately wants to go to bed because so, he has to work in the morning. <laughs> I have to get
1: up soon.
2: <laughs> Thanks for listening, and bye-bye
1: uh do the damn thing
2: destroy the opposition